Ladies and gentlemen, we have a very important and special occasion D1 rejects right back at you in the basement. Kobe, who, who's sitting next to me right here? Jim who's Manzo. Next to why, me? why don't you introduce yourself? Very excited to have him on. Well, I have to thank uh, my friend Drew Carpenter, oh, uh, renowned Browns fan, also <laughs> Lions fan, because if... I think if Drew was in town, I'd be upstairs watching Hallmark movies Probably. with your mother. Yep. So I'd much rather be down here. So thank you, Drew. <laughs> Drew is not with us this week. He is in Texas where he'll be going to the Rose Bowl game here pretty soon. Oh. So that's going to be something. We were going to have him on, but uh, he got a little too busy for us. He's going to be at a carnival or something tonight. So, yeah, big-time guy right there. But today's podcast, also sit with me, you'll also see Blaze Lauer, quarterback at Ohio Northern University. Blaze. Hi. Thanks Glad for having to have me on. You. Glad to Glad have to you. Be here. Now, Blaze and Hunter as well, a couple of the boys here from the Cheap Seats podcast at Lake Orion High School mm. is reunited. It, it was my podcast and until I, I took it, it over. To I, yeah. I gave it to you. It was like and then the, I gave you this one. The Favre oh. to Rogers. The Favre to Rogers. That's what it was. I'm Favre? I'll take Favre. Yeah, yeah Rogers is Favre. better stats. But yeah. I'll take Favre. Got a beard. <laughs> Favre, scruffy. I think I like the Alex Smith the Mahomes better. Yeah. That's yeah. fair too. I'll take Smith. Oh, Mahomes is Favre, a great Favre player. would have thrived in Houghton, too. Michigan yeah. <laughs> He'd have been right in his element. Uh, but after we talked to Blaze here for a bit about uh, his experience at the Division Three level, uh, we will talk to offensive lineman from Michigan State University, Dan Van Opstel, redshirt sophomore there. I'm super excited for that conversation. I think that's going to be um, awesome. He's a great guy. I had a chance to talk to him a little bit throughout the week. But um, you know, I'm excited to hear your takes as well on the Lions as we get into that. But first... Um, you know, let's go over some of the things and some of the topics for the, today's podcast. We'll get into what NFL games have the biggest playoff implications this weekend as we get closer. Uh, only one more week, right, in the regular season. Really, a lot of it's locked up, but there are still some games in the air. Uh, all 16 games on Sunday, first time all year. All wow. 16. Mm-hmm. And I will say this is the first year in the NFL where we've had a game played on every day of the week. They may have a referee shortage. They may. So they might be looking to you to actually get that <laughs> yes. call in. You've already got the hat on. That's bias. They'd see this podcast and know that you're biased. Guaranteed that, uh, that's there'll it. be a holding call in there somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> but the NFL games, the Jets get a big win over a depleted Cleveland team. Excuse me. The Seahawks clinch the NFC West. Green Bay dominates on Monday Night Football. Yada, yada, yada. We'll get into it. Um, reactions from our week of college bowl games and who surprised or disappointed us in the bowl games? Coastal Carolina. Terrible. Mullets. Mullets. Cut them. All right. But after that, to finish things off, well, not to finish things off, but we're going to get an in-depth look at a lot of the New Year's Six Bowl games, uh, talk about all of those games, and uh, especially the college football playoff picture, what we're expecting from there. And finally, what teams and players impressed us in this past week of football. Hopefully some guys that uh, we don't we, we kind of missed or glance over in, during the podcast duration. But as always, we're chilling in the basement, talking football, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. If you're watching us on YouTube, hello. You can find us pretty much wherever you get your podcast. But Blaze, Ohio quarter, Ohio Northern University quarterback and former stud at Lake Orion High School, the Backfield Bros. It's good to have backfield you back, bros. brother. Good to it's be good back. to have you back. It run really for, run forest, run. <laughs> <laughs> when your quarterback is the fastest guy on your team, you that's a good problem. I think it's a good problem to have. It's good or bad. Yeah, because you don't know how fast he is. <laughs> That's good, but you at Ohio Northern, you guys got it. What seemed to be like a lot of football compared to the GLIAC, at least with Hunter and I, with uh, you know, like you said, the spring game, which we were you were balling out through fall a tutty. game. Yeah, fall game, right? Yeah, fair, fair. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's true. Fall game, it's really it's feel, probably felt like a spring game type thing. But it did. It was actually like seventy. Degrees. I don't know why I said oh. that, but yeah, <laughs> jeez, you imagine. 
not in Marquette, I'll tell you that much. But what was that like, at least, you know, getting a bunch of chances and opportunities to kind of prove yourself heading into freshman year? No, it felt good. Uh, you know, like the way that everything went, obviously it wasn't per usual, you know? No, so but we don't, we all, again, we don't know what that is yet. Right? You know what I mean? Like, like usual. It was unfortunate for some guys, like seniors, older guys like that. But I, I think for all the freshmen, um, it was like a great chance for a learning opportunity pretty much since we weren't like rushed straight into games and everything like that. We had uh, lots of time to learn the schemes and stuff like that, get used to the players, coaches, how stuff's ran. So yeah, I think it was pretty helpful for me at least. Oh, I bet. And like just how important you think it is is just to like, take advantage. I mean, I already know your answer, but like taking advantage of those reps, especially as a freshman, a guy coming in at a position like quarterback that demands respect. And then you got to, you know, have that leadership capability as well. How important is it to take advantage of like literally every single opportunity right. you get? Uh, yeah. So th- we have a lot of quarterbacks on the roster, I think eight or nine. Oh, boy. So there's a lot of standing. Ar- there's a lot of standing around in between drills. So <laughs> uh, one thing I learned pretty quick was when you're in, you better do good. Because yes. you don't get very many chances. I would say you there. might not get back out there if you uh, act a fool. Right? Did they Blaze? <laughs> did they go full contact on the QBs at the at the inter, uh, in the spring in game? This fall game? Fall yeah. game? Mm-hmm. Did they? they did. They did. Yeah. So remember when we talked to Ari Hunter and we played a couple of his clips from Ellsworth Community College? Right. Dude just goes through. I mean, that's a different level of football. Different. Those guys are trying to get looks. You know what I mean? So like, they're just the coaches are really just trying to give them the best opportunity to put stuff on film. They were killing the quarterback. Poor quarterback. He was dying. Like, Ari came through and check just... Out, check out our Twitter page. Yeah, check out the Twitter page where we did post some of those highlights at D1 underscore rejects. We post all the highlights on there. Getting the Instagram up and running here pretty soon, too. Enough plugging, though. Enough plugging. But I wanted to know, because for you guys, five-game spring says schedule starting in March, excuse me. When do you guys get back up to campus, get to work? Well, we get back on the 17th, January 17th. Okay. Start school on the Not 19th. Bad. And then I think it's about... A month or so until we actually start practice. I'm not sure of really the official date, but somewhere in February we start Kinda lifting. Surprise, yeah. We start lifting a little bit. Actually, we'll be lifting as soon as we get back. But they've already got start. that all laid out for you guys. Yeah, Coach Paul does a really good job of keeping everything in order. He has that's good. Pretty much has a schedule down for like three, four months ahead. He's a really organized guy. And I think that's been the hardest thing for coaches because they're a breed of guys who love to have that organization and that level right. of neatness and planning a lot of them at least you know you don't find a lot of guys who are coaching at least not a lot of good coaches that just kind of you know hold on by the whatever but um that's been the hardest thing I think for a lot of the coaches is that they haven't had that ability to be able to plan things out when we talked to coach Blackstock uh, our high school coach obviously he was telling me about how the adaptability I guess I don't know he kind of made that word up I don't know if that's a real word but that ability to adapt on the fly and how important that's been I think that translates to the players too though you know what I mean? Yeah. I, sure. How how does that affect you guys? What, how would you say? Well, I think, you know, like, we sh- first we started off lifting, you know, went through all the protocols and stuff like that. And yeah. Then once we finally got into practice, started getting going a little bit, full pads. And then, you know, we had a couple people in the athletic department get COVID. Uh, which, of course. Uh, you know, filtered over to the football team eventually. Yeah. Then we had to shut down practice for a week, two weeks maybe. And we just did um, Zoom meetings. We had to do workouts over Zoom since we, we couldn't go in the, Those the are weight fun. room or anything. Those are fun. But then we came back and we started practicing again slowly. Yeah. The protocols again. But I think uh, the guys did a really good job handling that. That's good. <clears throat> That's good. I know for us and for everyone, I mean, football is one of the largest teams, if not the largest, that you're going to have on campus, right? So when you're talking about COVID cases, like, okay, you know, the dive team, swim and dive team got a COVID case. No, no disrespect. 
there's probably 10 kids on the team. Only 10. Like, when you, on the football team, if a couple kids get COVID, you're looking at 80, 90, potentially 100 kids that are now in a somewhat high-risk situation because of, uh, you know, like being in a close proximity to those type of people. But I just think that's interesting, especially, you know, up at Northern, we got a couple full padded practices in, I think about a week, a week and a half of full padded practice. But then quarterback, one of our quarterbacks goes down, two other guys go down, pop, pop, positive COVID test during the uh, the testing period, and then they just pulled the plug. And it was from there, just kind of, right. it sucked. It really sucked. And we right. didn't do, I don't think we did any Zoom workouts or anything because they closed the not only our weight room for the football program but also mm-hmm. like the recreational facility up there the peef and like i just right that that's sucks. what happened to us too we had we had to work out in our dorm room with all the other, <laughs> we were <clears throat> in a zoom call really everybody was doing it a lot of body weight a lot of yeah, i mean what it was body weight blah, that's yeah. man push-ups i have seen lots. a lot of people get really creative though over quarantine i've seen whole workouts done i think you did some with a towel i did right you were yep. telling me about those in the off season before you actually got to onu right like that's just that just got to be different yeah. Like, it's a different uh, mindset. Very creative. Yeah. I just, and you said, like, those are real, though. Those are legit workouts. Like, people, yeah. your strength coach does not mess around. You would think it's just, a, oh, it's just a bodyweight workout in my dorm, but you get sweating. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. But before you actually ended up at ONU or even committed to ONU, you were slated to go to North Central College, right? right. The defending Division Three national champion. So, what right. was the change for you and what made, uh, you had polar bears, right? Yep. Polar bears. Polar bears. What oh, made, bears. first of all, polar, dope. Bit, polar bears and 70 degrees at your spring game <laughs> in November. <laughs> first of all, Tough awesome conditions. mascot, awesome mascot. But what made the bears, the polar bears, the right fit for you over on North Central? I don't know what their mascot is. Right. Cardinals, I think. Of course. Yeah. Um, so, you know, like after I committed to North Central, you know, I was, I was feeling pretty good about it initially. But then, you know, after a while, I just felt like I felt like something was wrong. You know, I felt like. Felt like I'd made a wrong decision, I guess you could say. Go uneasy. And then, um, you know, I like called Coach Paul from ONU, and we had to talk about it. And then I met with them, him, and some other coaches. And then, just the family atmosphere that they, yeah, conveyed to me. Just it was just that I knew that was the right choice. Yeah, I get that. And a lot of kids this year in this recruiting class, high school class, twenty twenty one, they don't get that exactly what you're talking about. A chance to sit down and meet with the coaches and have a feel for that atmosphere, if you will. You right. know what I mean? Like right. how, like you might've not changed your mind. Had you not had that, you know, that decision yeah. and that being able to do that with COVID and everything, right. if that was going around, I mean, I just got a feel for these guys that are going through this. How would, mm-hmm. you know, how do you think that would change that process for you recruiting wise? Um, what was the question? Like how would the COVID right now and not being able to go meet with those coaches, oh, right. how would okay. that, how would that change that process for you? How would you yeah. uh, go, you know, kind of go about um, it? I probably, I probably wouldn't be at ONU. Yeah. I couldn't meet with them. You right. Know, like, I went on my visit uh, sometime in the spring. Yep. You know, like when I went on my visits. And the campus was pretty nice to me. Like, I got to see around and stuff like that. But once I actually got there and started going to school, I was like, wow, this place is really way nicer than I expected. What a nice surprise. The guys on the team (laughs) were super nice. Coaches were super nice. It just felt, literally felt like I was at home. Like, I wasn't getting homesick at all. There you go. It just felt like the right place to be. I had no regrets about anything. Great, great segue to my question, please. <laughs> <laughs> I could come on and say, gee, what's the biggest jump from high school to college? Is it the speed of the game? I always love when they ask that. Of course that's going to be it. <laughs> but when you got up to campus, you've been there for four or five months. This yep. is I, – I think back when I was at Hope College, I mm-hmm. mean – 
There we go. Football, go Dutch. <laughs> football, basketball, the basketball, Hope Calvin, you know, the whole community came out. Have you got a feel there of how important football is to that town or is it hard to do because or hard to feel because of the COVID or do you, do you get a sense though that it's yeah, yeah, pretty important there? Um, Ada is not a very big town. Right. And I know like Ada? there's not that many people at so, the university. So football is probably like the biggest uh, team there, obviously that's, it would be anywhere. Yeah. But I can just tell because Coach Bolly's lived in Ada for a long time. He's been the head coach there for a long time. You can just tell by the way he presents himself to the team and talks in the meetings. You can just tell his, the passion that he has for the game. And I know he's probably disappointed that we can't be together right now for this long break that we're having. Yeah. But, yeah, you can definitely tell how important and it is. He's been there how long? That's good. Uh, 15 or so years, I think. Yeah. Wow. Did they allow mm. fans at, those, more than that, at the I spring think. game? Uh, just close family. Family, okay. Mm-hmm. That's smart. I think I think that's pretty smart. I know for Marquette, like, if you haven't realized, there's not a whole lot going on in the UP. I mean, Marquette's the largest city in the UP. You've got Houghton going on. Other there than as well. Houghton, Other there's than always Houghton. something popping in Houghton. Always something popping oh, open. Is, is Hunter the, still uh, here? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but Marquette, you know, biggest city in the UP, but it's a college town. You know, it's right on campus. Downtown is probably three or four minutes from the heart of our campus. So like. Obviously, that impact is there and everything. I think that's important for you guys to see that your coach, 15 years, like about, I mean, not not exact, but about. Yeah. He's been there. I think it's more than that, actually. He's been there for, I'm not sure of the exact number. I mean, that, like, that too, like coming in as a guy who, you know, he's going to recruit you, he's going to honor that commitment to you. And, like, especially if he's been there for that long, I think that makes your decision a lot easier. I know he sent out a tweet a, a little bit ago about you need a coach who believes in you and. If yeah. you're like, that's the feeling I got from him and from all the coaches when I That's committed. important. Very. That's very important. Because and if he, you don't, that, that, that's a two-way street, right? right? Like, yeah, they're going to believe in you or else they wouldn't be recruiting you to come to their university, right. their school. <clears throat> but if you don't believe in them, like, right. you don't want to play for them. You know what I mean? So, right. like, uh, that's super important. I think there's a lot of coaches out there who will act like they believe in you. Oh, yeah. Once the, the once you sign that letter, comes in. once you sign that letter, and then, yeah, you're right. Once they're offered a, uh, not necessarily a better alternative, but a, uh, you know, a flashier alternative, right. a more lucrative alternative. Sometimes that gets kind of lost in the wash, huh? Right, yeah, So, for sure. I think very interesting, very interesting. But, um, you know, I appreciate you having on. You'll be with us the rest of the time. I'm not kicking you out or anything. Right. But let's get to uh, a great conversation that I am really looking forward to with Dan Van Obstead, excuse me, from Michigan State University. Let's go right to talking with that offensive tackle. Joining us today on Division One Rejects, we've got the six foot six, three hundred and five pound redshirt sophomore offensive lineman at Michigan State University out of Jenison High School. It's Dan Van Opstel. How's it going, Dan? How are you, buddy? I'm doing well. How are you guys? Fantastic, man. Stoked to have you on today. Um, but I was wondering, what have the holidays been like for the guys on the team? Obviously, trying to avoid those, you know, situations potentially during the season that would cost your guys some games or some players with COVID going around. How have the holidays been? Um, holidays for us, you know, we did, Coach Tech was really big on maintaining the bubble, which I thought we did a very good job of. You know, a lot of teams you saw throughout the Big Ten had problems with COVID. We did not. Oh, yeah. Uh, so, like, for Thanksgiving, like, we, you know, they asked our families, they said, hey, we know it's tough, but we're trying to maintain our bubble. So, you know, no families for Thanksgiving, but, you know, they had Man. they had dinners and stuff for us. So, it was, it was tough, but it was good. Yeah, that's all right. That's that's the right mindset to have. I think I've heard from a couple of guys on the team because I've played against a lot of those guys that play up there at Michigan State. Did you guys do some stuff? Uh, I thought I heard like with the coaches and some of the other players for uh, Thanksgiving and some of those other things. Yeah, absolutely. So like post practice, they had a little Thanksgiving dinner meal for us. Um, that's awesome. Things that we bring. Home. 
Um, a lot of the coach, a lot of the individual position coaches had things for their uh, position groups, like uh, the linebackers. They had some sort of dessert thing that they had. So that was there. Good. You go. Yeah, that's awesome, buddy. Um, I want to talk to you because you came out of high school. I did my research here. You came out of high school, going into Michigan State. You were two hundred and fifty-five pounds. Now you're three hundred five, sitting here. What? Almost three years later. What do they do there to put weight on you guys and just make you like fill out that huge frame of yours and get you to be that massive? Are they just shoving food down your throat? Yeah, I mean that's, that's <laughs> a lot of it. <laughs> you know, they um, especially under Coach Tucker, he has made you know meals mandatory at the okay. um, cafeteria street. So you know, um, for me, I'm not one of the weight gain guys anymore. There you but, go. Um, team who you know it's mandatory meal times you have to be in by this time you have to you know show your food on the way out and our um, <laughs> nutrition, yeah our nutrition strength staff um they try to get with us a fair bit too just to you know here's how you're on track you know this is what we need you to do um just to get us to that point where you know you can start playing and contributing a little bit yeah no i get that the college level is different man especially um mm-hmm. i don't know how much i'm a freshman going at northern michigan university and like you get out there, and you're not, there's not high school guys anymore. 23-year-old dudes that have been redshirted, and they've been there for five years at a university, and those are grown men. But you mentioned it, um, life under Coach Tucker. And I wanted to ask you because you came onto the team in 2018, so you had a few years under D'Antonio before his retirement. What has this year been like under Coach Tucker? And I want to know, has it been as much of a transition as people on the outside seem to believe? So, yeah, the life under Coach Tucker, it has been – intense um he brings a lot of fire and passion to the program awesome um I, you can just every time he walks in the team meeting room there's just a little little buzz that kind of goes through the room um you know and under coach d coach d was awesome loved him um wish him all the best in retirement of course um, you know coach d there was a similar buzz and then when coach tuck came in especially with the COVID stuff, it just whole new level, man. Like, um, and that was coach Tucker's big thing when he came or when COVID started coming around, he's like, it don't matter that I was just hired. in was it February? Yeah. Just he's February. Like, yeah. We're he's like, we're looking for wins. You know, oh, yeah. he's like for win now program. So that's been his big thing. And the intensity that him and his whole staff bring, you know, it's awesome. We love yeah. it. No, when you guys started that season and you know, Everyone was expecting transition year, whatever, say what you want. Like, this is going to be a rocky year for Spartan fans. And then you get that win over Michigan. And that was kind of, I think, what the fan base felt. It's like, this guy's not coming in here, you know, about to use that as a crutch. Like, oh, this is my first year here. I'm just trying to get the ropes things. Especially when you come in February. Now, to someone who doesn't understand football and college football programs, you might say February to maybe August or September, that's a long period of time. But I feel like... For you especially and those guys trying to, you know, get used to that program, different use of that different type of buzz in that locker room, what was that like? And it probably felt a lot quicker than that, didn't it? Yeah, I mean, because he got hired in February. We had, you know, a couple, like a week or two to lift. And I think we had maybe one, like, walkthrough, just kind of no balls on the field. Okay. And then quarantine. Man, and, yeah. And, you know, doing installs, doing installs is – in quarantine is much different than doing it on the field because <laughs> oh, yeah. there's, a, there's a lot to be said for the physical reps um, and just getting comfortable with the guys around you. So that was um, that was something that really made it tough. Um, 
but then coming out when we got the chance to practice, you know, we hit a hard man. You know, we were we were going. Yeah. So. No, that's good. good to hear. That's good to hear. And I know, um, especially with your strength and conditioning staff, the head strength and conditioning coach went down with COVID. I, th- I believe his whole family did. And that shut you guys down for a few weeks there. And thankfully, that was kind of before the actual season started. And you guys, like you said, out of a lot of the Big Ten schools, had some of the most minimal issues with that. What was the mindset approach and how was that different um, you know, with the COVID bubble going on and guys being cognizant of all the things going on, how did you guys hold each other accountable during that time period? I mean, yeah, it was holding each other accountable during this time period. It was, you know, it was a team effort. A lot of guys, you know, were really bought into, you know, if you were here, you were, you were here to play. You know, there was no, you know, the guys who opted out, they, um, you know, they did a lot of it for health reasons. Yeah. Um, whether it was their family or themselves. Um, but for the guys who were there, they were like, okay, we're going to make sure that even if we're here, we're not getting it. You know, we're, we're going to take care of ourselves. We're going to make sure that we maintain this bubble so that we can play. We yeah. want to play. So, Of course you do. I feel like that's just how, how every team feels. That's something. Hi, Dan. It's Jim. Uh, I'm real anxious to hear the season starts. I'm a big Spartan fan myself. I'm not ashamed to say that. Yeah. <laughs> and you lose to Rutgers. I was actually officiating youth football that day, so I'm checking the <laughs> score on my phone, and I'm relaying messages to another guy that's a Spartan fan, and I'm like, oh, Rutgers, you know, we turn it over seven times. We lose to Rutgers. Now, what people didn't realize, Rutgers has got about a dozen uh, transfers that came from other schools, and as you watched Rutgers throughout the course of the year, Rutgers was a pretty good football team. Not to mention their head coach coming back. Uh, yeah, Greg Schiano. Greg Schiano, yeah. But I'm dying to hear, what was that? What was that first practice like after the Rutgers game? Because you had Michigan coming up next, and not being a huge Michigan fan, I was incredibly impressed with Michigan against Minnesota. So what was that first practice like after Rutgers? Because he had to set the tone for something. Yeah, I mean, guys were mad, man. Like, you know, the the attitude in the locker room after Rutgers was like, you know, this is by no means was this okay. Yeah. You know, this, you know, it was, a poor outing by us to you know, put it lightly. And then coming into that Michigan week, you know, Coach Tucker and the staff, they're like, you know, Rutgers week was Rutgers week. This is Michigan week. You know, this is this week in Spartan Stadium, you know, this is above or well it was in the big house, but yeah. this week for Spartan Spartan team is above all else. You know. Um as as they say, the the team down the road, you know. That's something Coach Tucker was bringing in. We don't say Michigan. We say the team down the road. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, right from right from the jump, it was, it's Michigan week. It's go time. You know, we need crisp, clean practices. We want, you know, no mistakes in practices all the way up to the game. You know, everyone needs to play at the, you know, 110% level. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I think it says a lot about Coach Tucker and his staff to be able to come in there and demand, not that the bar was set very low necessarily after D'Antonio, it's not what I want to apply, but that Tucker could come in there and demand that same level of excellence from you guys and that there's no drop-off, right? There's no drop-off in the way that you approach practice, games, everyday things, staying in your bubble, making sure that you're not getting sick and putting your team and your other players in danger, but this is the first time since 2016 that you guys won't be playing in a bowl game to finish off the season. While a lot of people, I'm sure, see this as a downside, and I, there's a lot of reasons why it could be, 
I think it's a great chance for you guys, COVID permitting, of course, to really allow that coaching staff to implement their ideas. Like we said, he got hired in February and really with the quarantine did not have a chance to put in, I'm sure, a lot of the things that he really would like to be around you guys for a much longer period of time. So how do you view this upcoming offseason, or I guess we're in it right now, going into your athletic junior year, you're fighting for a bigger role on the team. And if anything, what does that mindset change for the team heading into 2021? Yeah, so, I mean, coming into this year, um, we've had more than a few transfers come in and more than a few guys come out, so it's going to be a much different team. Um, you know, I myself, I try to take everything in the moment, you know. Yeah. Didn't go to a bowl game, good. We have more time to work with Coach Novak and the strength staff and our position coaches, you know. So it's I try to look at less at what's behind me or what could have been and more is what's now and what's coming forward. And just kind of take it one day at a time. Um, they're, we're bringing a lot of talent in from the portal, so um, I'm I'm excited for this spring. I'm excited for this, you know, winter winter conditioning. I think it's going to be great for the team as a whole, um, and just having a chance to spend a lot of time with these coaches and really get comfortable in our system. Of course, I love that mindset. That short term memory, I guess, is kind of the way to put it. And I think that is universal across so many sports. Like you go up and strike out, and you're, it's coming from one some from someone, excuse me, who did that a lot in my high school baseball career. Um, strike out, short term memory. Like forget about it. Next at bat, you make a bad play in football. Forget about it. It's next play. This that type of mindset. Got some? Yeah. One follow up question, Dan. Who are you most impressed with this year? What team and why? How's it going? Um. Any individual team that I was impressed with. Um, I thought Northwestern did a good job. You know, last year they had they were struggling quite a bit, and then they came back, and you know they were nearly undefeated. Um, yeah. <laughs> but um, you know, I thought outside of playing us, I thought Northwestern. You know, they're they were a good football team. You yeah. know, they had a lot of guys who understood the system, and they did their job. And that's one of the best things you can say about a football team is you know. Every guy on the team knew their job and did their job. Yeah, I agree with you. And it's like you said, up until that uh, that Ohio State game where, um, you know, I think they were exposed at a couple different areas, but their defense and the turnovers that they generated on that defense, the defensive coordinator is up for some type of big-time award. I forget. It escapes me right now. But Pat Fitzgerald and that program, it seems like, are just right there on the cusp of really having something great with a few more weapons possibly on the offensive side or maybe in the scheme of things. But you talked a lot in that previous answer I was asking you about that transfer portal, how you guys are bringing in a lot of um, a lot of talent from the portal, like you said. But a guy, you said you also lost some people, and one of them being Rocky Lombardi, who's transferred to Northern Illinois in the Mid-American Conference after starting six games for you guys this year. Now, I'm not sure if, you're, if you know this, but NIU finished this year with an 0-6 record. Lombardi's got two years of eligibility left. Tell me what that was like for you guys with him entering the transfer portal after uh, Thorne came in and uh, kind of you know showed up and became that guy for you guys. What was that been like, and what type of impact do you think that he'll have on that NIU program, which I say really could probably use him? You know, I can only say good things about Rocky. You know, he was he's a great friend. He's a great football player, an incredible leader. I mean, this is a guy who he walks into a room um, and – you know, you, he's a guy with a lot of presence. Awesome. You know, and he's an infectious personality. You know, you want to like the guy. But he works so hard, and I think he'll be very good for an NIU team that, like you said, had struggled. Oh, yeah. um, I think he's come in and have a very immediate effect on their football program, come in and show a lot of leadership and, you know, bring some oomph to that program. 
Yeah, I 100%. I wholeheartedly agree with you. And when you can speak to that uh, to that level about somebody who's, you know, leaving your program, that you have such positive things to say about him. I think it speaks uh, volumes about that person. And NIU is a team that more than so many other teams, especially in the MAC, has kids come in and out of that program every year. I don't know how much you're tuned in and you see that, but I see, especially even up at Northern Michigan, we get a lot of kids from Northern Illinois and that type of area who are coming down to that Division II level. Maybe it just wasn't a fit for them, whatever it is. But for you, what has that experience been like? Obviously, you have not entered the transfer portal, but when guys come in, maybe some uh, some kind of bigger profile guys come into that Michigan State program, we've talked about the culture of Michigan State a lot uh, on this show and how really Michigan State in the past, I don't know if this will change, but Michigan State in the past has not been like their counterpart Michigan. They don't have these four- and five-star recruits every single year. Rather, we get these two- and three-star guys who have a lot of high football IQ great talent, and they turn them, throughout a couple of years, they turn them into these very productive players. So how do you feel like, you said you got a lot of talent coming in the transfer portal this year. How do you feel like those guys are going to come in and have an immediate impact? What do you see them, uh, what do you see them doing for the Spartans? So without having known or really seen anything about any of these guys, I think they'll be like, they'll, they'll be like any transfer we have come in. You know, these guys, they're going to be high-level athletes. They're going to be smart. Um, you know, knowing Coach Tucker, he's gonna he's gonna bring in guys who he thinks are gonna play well within the system. Yeah. Um, that he has designed. So you know, I'm excited to see the guys we bring in. Um, I'm excited for some competition. Oh yeah. Um, you know, I can't say I really know anything about the new guys we're bringing in, but a transfer that we had brought in um, a little while back, Jaden Reed from Western Michigan. Oh yeah. Very. Um, you know. Jaden Reed was a guy that when he came in, he, you know, while he may have not worn the green and white before, he was, he was a Spartan. Like, you know, he is the kind of guy who he is emblematic of the Spartan mentality, you know, comes in, works crazy hard, Love that. Um, does a great job, high level athlete, high IQ, you know, great guy. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. Well, I appreciate you coming on today, boss. I really do. That's been, uh, Man, emblematic. That was that was great. That was great. I appreciate you coming on, boss. Thank you. Hey, yeah, appreciate it. You guys run a great show. All right, I Happy appreciate holidays, you, boss. Dan, good luck to you. Yeah. Wow. Dan, who's really that guy? You weren't even here for the conversation. <laughs> <laughs> and there we go. Now we're into it. <laughs> Hunter, unfortunately, was a little late to the pod, so he didn't. Could you guys, I was here at be the headphones. Six. It is hard to hear. Yeah, that may be. Silent? Silent? Noise canceling. Like, Oh my gosh, stop it. <laughs> but seriously, a great conversation with Dan. I think he was, his insight was awesome. He was, a, he was a very well-spoken guy, actually. I was impressed. He seemed I thought very comfortable. He really did. And I, that's, that's the environment that I want to uh, foster here on the podcast. Yeah. Some good questions for yourself. I love the one about Rutgers and like bouncing back. Because like that first practice after a loss oh, like yeah. that, and even after a win like that too, like to keep yourself level-headed or like, you know, to look forward. I thought that was a great answer from him though. Like and how... Tucker kind of demands that energy. I think that kind of gets lost. Demands because, that energy. Because That's a good one. I think that kind of gets lost because they, everyone talks about how he's a great recruiter and he's like this great personality and whatever. Like, don't forget this guy. You also have to go out and win games yeah, like yeah. other than like, recruiting. He was saying like, it's a win now attitude. There's no like, okay, there's a plan to win in the future. We're going to win now. And if we don't, that's failure. And again, that's what people say. Oh, you just Jim. He doesn't like Michigan. But <laughs> Harbaugh's been there six years. Here we go. Tucker's been there one year. He has two wins over top fifteen teams in the country. Oh, does and he's won two games. 
But those two wins, <laughs> those two wins at the time were over top were huge, 15. huge wins. And let's also go back. I'm not that naive, but if they go into Michigan and get spanked, they don't win a game. I agree. Uh, they're not beating Northwestern. I think that season spirals, and it's that had to give those kids such a shot. Oh my gosh! Nobody me? saw that coming. Nobody except for the guys in that locker yeah. room, and that's like just goes like that's all that matters. We've had so many talks like that, yeah. like, like who everyone who matters is right here. Like look outside the locker room, doesn't matter. Like yeah, it's, it's great that people. Culture. It's great it's that people show up and support. You know what I mean? Yeah. At any level, it's great that people show up and support. But at the end of the day, it's the guys in the locker room. Let's talk about. A locker room that is on a hot streak. Their hair is on fire! As Daryl Bevel would say, the hair is on fire. And that being for the New York Jets, who get hot a streak. huge win over the Browns, 23-16 to 16 in New York. And pretty much with that game, it's, it's bittersweet for them, I would assume, because that's a huge win for them. But at the same time, they lose all hope of winning um, you know, that number one pick, I suppose, for Trevor Lawrence, right? Yeah, so, but the thing you got to think about is, like, those players don't care about Trevor Lawrence. They want to go out there and win every week. Oh, 100%. Exactly. I'm saying for the There's fans' something perspective. There's pride. Yeah, exactly. Agreed. Agreed. No matter what level athlete you are, and yeah. especially at the top. Well, not only pride, that's your paycheck. That's yeah. how you support your family. If you don't win games, you don't get paid. I, I don't know if you guys saw it, and I, I, I do tend to look at Twitter. <laughs> As we know. I believe his name is Bob Washusen. That I've not heard before. He was the he is I believe he's the Jets radio guy maybe, and he basically told the people, "Listen, he, he took some flack for getting excited about a win, about winning the game. See, that's ridiculous. Final call. That's ridiculous." And he said, "I'm not going to apologize." <laughs> he said, "I'm not going to sit there and hope they lose so they could get a better draft pick." And that's that's kind of how I am too because dra- draft picks don't guarantee anything. In fact, the higher draft pick you get, the more pressure it is to get that pick right. That's and if you a great don't, point. That's get me in the middle round. Let me let let's let the dust settle on some picks, and you might actually. I don't know. I, I just think there's so much pressure when you're in that top one, two, three, four, five picks in the NFL draft. And as we were just talking about earlier, Blaze, get getting a stud quarterback isn't it as easy, easy as everybody says it is. Not all of them translate like uh, just win games. I think so. Win yeah. games. Yeah, it's so easy to say, right? Just win, baby. It's so easy just to win, do. baby. But the Browns, who did the opposite of that, Drew Carp. Right, yeah. If Drew Carpenter were here, we'd be, be Oh, I know he's watching. I, he thought, I, know he's I, watching. I thought but. I actually might get a call to play wide receiver for the Browns. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I had my cleats ready. Obviously, yeah. the Browns Possession being... receiver, I can get open, get Marvin to the sticks, Hall. Marvin Hall. Get out of bounds. Marvin Hall, who was cut by the Lions like three weeks ago, played in that game for the Browns. Yeah. They just That's signed unreal. him off the street. So, obviously, if you're, if you're not aware, the Cleveland Browns wide receiver room was hit by a wave of COVID and... You know, not necessarily a lot of positive cases, but a lot of close contact and uh, potential cases. So the NFL takes that very seriously now, of course. Unless your name is Lamar Jackson, then we'll delay the game for a week. But other than that, no, 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 we're not even going to get onto that. But um, Do we get into that later? Maybe. We'll talk about it in a second. We'll talk about it in a second. But I wanted to say the Browns now have lost all hope of winning the AFC North because the Steelers got a huge win over the Colts, which they, I they personally... Won they won it. They yeah, won the AFC North. That's what I'm saying. They lost all hope because they lost it. So... Pretty, pretty. Yeah, they easy lost day. it. Well, I mean, there's no, there was no hope. They, they <laughs> lost. There it. was hope. There was a lot of no hope, hope because if they win that, the Jets Steelers game, are playing Mason Rudolph at quarterback. Let me just say, the hope Miles is gone. Garrett is ready. Let me just say, <laughs> let me just say, if the Steelers were to lose that game, which I thought there was a very good chance they did, it was a great game. They and should the, have lost exactly. And the Browns, to seven? and the Browns go pick up a win over the Jets, which everyone was predicting before the wide receiver incident. And everything happened that game in week six, sixteen, right? That would have been the. 
to decide yeah. the division. So that's Where why that's why I come and say seventeen. Where? Sorry, boy, you're on him. I yeah, mean, I, I stay on him. I think you know what it's I mean? The headset. Though. You know what I mean? Though, like that would have been for the division. That game would have had such weight to it. Is someone feeding him information through the headset? Let's hear. I got Drew in my ear right now. Let's hear what the Baker. Let's hear what the Baker fan has here to say because he's you know yeah. when Drew's gone, we need a little bit of an input from the Baker guys. So come on, guys. Come on, Forrest. Let's hear what you have to say. Jesus, was it Monday night Browns Ravens game? Um, yeah, that was Monday night. That was the one that. After, he after was there that well. game, yeah. I was like, oh, man, would it be so cool to go to the Browns-Steelers Week oh, 17 dude. for the champ- for the division? Yeah. With fans. So I, after that game, I like I immediately looked up some tickets. You know, they're like $300. Oh, now. yeah. Now that I, then I looked them up before Sunday when they lost, obviously. They're up to $1,000. Holy cow. So I bet even the Browns, like, Maybe we should double check on those prices. people were uh, expecting a win. Yeah, they were. And rightfully so. I mean, they should have been. You know what I mean? But... With, you know, the amount of talent that we're talking about that had to sit out of that Browns wide receivers room, you know, you know what I mean? Why did Cleveland still throw the ball 53 times? I mean, for me, yeah. we've talked about their running attack they were down. so often. They I, were down. I might and at were some down. point that. At some point, like we've seen the Titans. We'll talk about the Titans soon and how they had to do that as well. But at some point, Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt, they had a combined 15 carries in the night. Combined, well, 15 Chubb, carries. Chubb carried it 13 times for 29 yards. That might be why they didn't run the ball much. At some point, wow, though, we've seen the Titans that... We've seen this Titans stay honest and stay true to their running game, and it's it's paid off for them because the yeah, running game, right. as you if know. If your receivers are that banged up, you got to run the ball. There's no reason. 53 times. I understand if you're behind in the game, you got to get back in it. The running game does not pay off in the first quarter. The second quarter, it's the third and the fourth quarter. And it's the 1-15 in 15 Steelers. I mean, 15. <laughs> so one in 15 jets. Like, why aren't you going to run the ball? Why aren't yeah. you going to be comfortable in your own? Exactly, office? exactly. I think, I think I, you know, they were missing two linemen as well. Were they? Not just, yeah. That could be another piece. I think it was their left tackle. Okay. I don't know his name right now. I don't, yeah. escaping I, me. But I know check it out. Wyatt Teller, one was of their it? guards. Okay. He was out too. I'm That's an interesting sure. point. I didn't I'm know that. I'm pretty sure he's like the highest rated guard in the NFL right now. Because I was reading a tweet earlier about... Put with him, stealing it. <laughs> with Teller, they like they're like over a hundred rushing yards without him. They're like eighty eight per game. Wow, that's a good. So that's that's a good piece there. That could be a reason. Blaze, put it this way: if you're an NFL team, in the morning of the game, your call your coach calls you at eight fifteen and says, "Meet at the Hilton Garden Inn parking lot, and we're going to go over pass routes." <laughs> you're in trouble. That's what they, did. They, they, they did do that. Oh, that's real. Yes. Oh my goodness. It's, they they got, got their delayed. coach got them up at this is what ESPN said eight eight thirty and they were in the parking lot next to the stadium or or the hotel That's because unreal. well they had to get all the receivers up to speed. I mean, yeah. and the analogy that I made to them and I thought this was pretty good. I thought it was pretty good. Cleveland was a lot like Florida this season, and they and then that they, they they controlled their own destiny heading towards what would have been a very high stakes game at the end of their regular season. Right for Florida, that was the SEC championship against Alabama. They lose to an LSU team who pretty much everybody was counting out. Right, they had a better record than the Jets. I'll give you that. But a team that Florida definitely should have won with the amount of talent they had on that roster. Cleveland kind of pulls a similar situation with the Jets. Now that uh, divisional game. Are you comparing Bama to the Steelers? <laughs> yeah, I am. Okay. Yeah. Continue. <laughs> I thought it was a good analogy because it had the same type of storyline. We've seen how it played out. Yeah. And now it'll be interesting to see if it actually plays out the way that Alabama-Florida did. Um, and it's, if the Browns will put up a good fight. It's going to be a good game. It's I believe be so, too. Game. And the Browns still need to win this game to yeah. make sure they're in the playoffs. They haven't clinched a playoffs. No, they have yet. not, which is unreal. The yeah. AFC right now is so competitive. And if it's Pittsburgh crazy. would have lost, 
I really like Cleveland's odds. Oh, my gosh, yeah. That had been four in a row for the Steelers. Could have lost their last five and lost the division. Plus, again, I keep saying it. Like I told Kobe the other day, isn't it funny? We're watching NFL on TV. Of all the uh, teams that do not need fans, Kansas City has fans. Yeah, I know. It's unreal. It's unreal. And, And a lot of them. And you look around the NFL and nobody else has fans, but the best team known to mankind also has support in the stands. <laughs> and Cleveland, that because we were there when there's 20,000 on a Monday night, and Kobe will tell you, that place was rocking for a quarter capacity. I can't even imagine what that – I guarantee you if that was – this Sunday was for the division title – they might have. They might, they might have forgotten the count at the turnstile. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. Was that three? No. Yeah, you can go. Yep. Yep. Back to what you were saying though about the Steelers. If they lose, you know, four losses in a row. I was actually thinking about that to myself. Like, go from going from eleven and zero. Oh, will they go undefeated to losing the last five games, will losing the, the division, division, and then maybe out of the playoffs if Indiana beats them. And then they clinch instead. Baltimore clinches too. So was there a shot wow. for them to not? Win? Wow, I'm not sure. Well, it, with the AFC set up the way it is, a Colts win, although it would have set back the Titans. Actually, you know what? I being in the back. AFC South, I, I don't know. What, I would say I think they already clinched at least a wild card spot. Yeah, but that does bring up a great point because if the but, Colts won, that would have put Tennessee in a very interesting spot, especially after their loss to. Um, the Packers, right? Being in the AFC South, right? I'm going to so, actually blame our program director. Where is he for not having the stat sheet in front of us, <laughs> where we would have had the playoff scenario all laid out? Because we shouldn't be speaking about things that we don't know. Oh my gosh! Right. Stop it. Who's I the think, guy? Is it Kornak- Kornacki? Who's the guy that I like? The guy they added on. Uh, he does on, all the playoff I, on NBC. Yeah, he does all the playoff analysis and stuff. It's it, almost like the presidential the election. Like, he's exactly, yes. and he's dressed like he's going to a middle school dance with I, his rolled I up like dress him. shirt and his khakis and his tennis I like shoes. Him. And they go he to looks, the percentages of week whatever. This was their yep, chance to get yep, in. Like that yeah. always sunny in Philadelphia guy. That it's like all these things connect. Yes, yeah. exactly. That's pretty much the image that you get when you're watching him. He does a great job though. Um, Let's talk about a team that did clinch, and they clinched their division. That's the Seahawks. They clinched the NFC West with that win over the Rams, 20-9. They sit on top of the division for the first time in four years. Which is weird to think I about. I didn't realize it's been that long because they've had a lot about. of success, especially yeah, with Pete Carroll. It's, it's always been the Rams or the 49ers. Or well, the 49ers, obviously, last year with the And the then there was the Rams, I think, three years before. Yeah, I think so. But I still don't believe the Seahawks are the best team even in the NFC West. Really? Do you agree you with take, me? You take it right I out of your mouth? I don't believe they're the best team in the NFC West. Who would you put ahead of them? The Rams. Well, oh, that's, well, that's I mean, uh, you got to think about it, though. Like, the last two NFC teams in the Super Bowl were the Rams and the 49ers. Who did the Rams lose to a couple weeks ago? I still think that'd the be Jets. the Jets. I just wanted to, he doesn't have a microphone. The, that'd be the Jets. They, uh, Seahawks lost to the Giants with a backup quarterback at home. They did. At they home. did. We can bring, we can yeah. try it all that's night. Fair. That's I fair. think the Rams <laughs> minus the 12th man. That's exactly. true. Fans and like I said, KC doesn't need fans. Nope. And when you I clinch think, the division, you get a home playoff game. All of a sudden, that doesn't mean as much. I've been waiting to say this since that game ended. <laughs> Watching, is it McVay? Yeah, Sean, no, McVay. Sean McVay. It reminded me of calling the Walden offense seventh grade. That's middle school. Yeah, up the street. They did not run a pass pattern <laughs> past five yards. <laughs> Their offense was atrocious. I know Goff broke his thumb. Yep, he was he's terrible. out next week. He should be out. out next he week. was terrible. 
He was absolutely awful in that game. Listen to this, though. He you know doesn't who didn't know play how to slide. Well? <laughs> when he not. should have ran for the first down, he just decided to throw it up and pray that something good happened on that Diggs interception. Uh-huh. Yeah. He was terrible. <laughs> and these people that say, and again, I'm gonna, I got my hat on tonight. I know we'll talk about him later. But if if Stafford is on the Rams, they're Super certainly be, they're certainly winning that division in my Agreed. opinion. I'm sure everybody say, "Oh Super, no way!" I think they're a Super Bowl team. But I'm t- I told Kobe that day, he he was awful. He did, and he might be a decent quarterback, but again, he he's he probably get, the most like systematic, just game manager quarterback. That's now, Tom Brady. I will say that's true, but I will say but a guy who did not play very games. well. Look at Russell Wilson's stats. He had a horrific oh, night passing the ball. He didn't have one receiver with over 60 yards of the night, even though he completed passes to eight different targets. You look eager to respond. He oh, does. Okay, so remember at the beginning of the season where it's like, Russ deserves, this is his MVP, MVP. year. Oh, he's let, cooking? let Russ so cook. Did, so did Kyler Murray, though, for a little bit until they fell off. That was that was nothing. Well, K-1 was never an MVP candidate. For a few weeks. For a few weeks. During Hale Murray and all that. But... Let Russ cook is the thing that I think brought him down when everybody was like, oh, he's had a good first four weeks, and then they all queued up on him and look at him now. Which, yes, they won the division, but he's not in the MVP race anymore. He's, like you said, he's 60 yards on the night, but completed it to eight different receivers. So I think when you get like when you get on a roll like he was for a while there and you, get, you just get comfortable with what you're doing, you tend to forget like the – the simple things that you're supposed to do. Because I noticed that there was one game he threw like three interceptions, I think, and instead of just running for a three-yard first down, he tried to throw it back across into the corner of the end zone and the guy Jared inter- Goff. intercepted. <laughs> so I think that's it's, just... It's just like on plays like that, throat. he has to be a game manager. Mitch like, Trubisky? We, <laughs> we talk about game managers sometimes on this, and sometimes is it a good thing or is it a bad thing to be a game manager quarterback because you're saying that's a great point. He, like Dwayne Jared Goff, Haskins. you're saying <laughs> you throw that ball instead of picking up the first down. It's an interception. What if that's a game manager decision? Yeah, and you pick up that first down. You got to think of. I know it's bad to say. Think of the next play, the next play, the next play. But do you think of two plays? A, yeah, two plays ahead of you. Well, like, at a quarterback, that's almost I think your you duty, have to, right? As Blaze, Bla- yeah. what, what would you say? As, as a, a quarterback, quarterback, I think you're spot on. I really think you do. It's not like. You know, you know, if we get this play, then you know it's no. We're doing this, this, and this, and then if that changes, okay, your plan can change. But I, I don't know. What do well, you think? When you're playing quarterback, it's well, you can't think of if we get this play. Well, exactly. First you gotta get you can't you can't get to there if you don't get the first down or whatever yeah. right now. Step at a so time. You can't even think ahead if you don't okay. do what you have to do in the moment. Let's talk about the Rams though. They still have a great chance to make the playoffs. They could seal it with a win over the Cardinals next week. Um, it's been confirmed that Jared Goff broke and dislocated his thumb in Sunday's game, and he popped it back into place before continuing to play. So, bad game from him, but he's tough. He's tough yeah. sob. So, I mean, we'll give that to him. Um, he's questionable for not the game against Arizona. Stafford. No, he is not as tough as Matt Stafford, who's playing with a few McRibs, as Hunter <laughs> likes to say. Um, and there's but some Rams have some COVID issues. They do. That was another great thing. Um, but I think they might. <laughs> I don't want to say they'll be better off with a backup quarterback, but it'll be a different Rams team potentially. Do you know who their quarterback? Backup quarterback is? I do not. I don't know his name, the but oh. the last yeah, game Rams. he started was in the AAF for the Arizona Are Hot Shots. Are you serious? I don't know his name. Arizona so. Hot Shots? Nice league. Yeah. That, nice league. Well, how's that doing? <laughs> <laughs> but there was there was one play 
um, that really kind of summed up the night, and it was the Rams who got stuffed on fourth and goal late in the third quarter. They're trying to score the go-ahead touchdown. After that, the Seahawks defense looked borderline elite and pretty much reminiscent of some great Seahawks defenses that we saw years ago, which is that's what they need for me if they want to make a legitimate run and have that claim to the NFC, um, you know, that, that, that title in their division is that defense to be elite. And I know uh, Jamal Adams talked to, I think it was Aaron Andrews, about, um, that was a fun interview to watch, Um, but I think he talked to her about, um, you know, that defense and kind of their mindset and the change in mindset of their defense coming from that, like, Legion of Boom stage that we all remember and then, like, kind of dropping off. And they've really been, like, a Big 12 team kind of since then. And now having that kind of resurgence and they have some big-time playmakers on that defense now and that... Fourth and goal, that was set up actually by a Jamal Adams chase down tackle, which if you're on a post route on him, you might be good to go. But he is great off the edge and coming in on pass rush. I He's think more that of a linebacker than he I really is. He plays safety. like it. He yeah. plays like it. But I think that's going to be the difference for them is that defense and not even like their play is going to be important. But I think their mindset is going to be what separates them and what gives them an edge in the playoffs. Yeah, your point about him being more of a linebacker, I'm pretty sure he's like double digit sacks. He's at eight, I believe. Okay. But I was just reading earlier how he has zero interceptions on the season also. So that's really not helping him out. He has 8.5 sacks. But back to the Rams. So they just placed a cup on COVID. And they also just signed Blake Bortles from the Broncos practice squad, who was their backup for the last two years. So he should know the playbook. So we'll see if he's he's digging into it right now. (laughs) Should take him all of 15 minutes to master it. Wow. Anyway, so, so we have five plays, Blake, and don't worry, you won't have to throw the ball very far. We believe in a, a very controlled uh, West Coast offense type of uh, the Rams passing attack. The Rams use the most tight end slash extra tackles I've ever seen. They like yeah. the more the more times they line up with like nine men on the line is just crazy. I, I like Kobe was saying though. I look at that team like they're wasting a really good defense. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. If they had any offense, if they had any any offense whatsoever, going back to the Seahawks real quick though, as much as we talk about Russell Wilson, if you remember, the first ten games of this season, that Seahawk defense was on pace to give up the most yardage in NFL right? history. So that's and that change in mindset. It forced Wilson to throw the ball like he did all over the place. Ooh. And he's got weapons. Is it Lockett and this Metcalf, Metcalf. guy? I mean, he's got, they got a pretty good offense. But this Ken Norton guy deserves a little bit of credit, the defensive coordinator, because the Seahawks defense has actually picked it up quite a bit, unlike some other defenses in the local area. Yeah, that they, have not. Exactly. Before we talk about our Lions, I did want to say uh, there was a big win for their division rivals, that being the Packers over the Titans on Monday Night Football. Mm. Boo. That game was tough to watch, man. As a fan, as we all are, some, I got all the Lions fans here today, but as a fan, as we all are, that game I fell asleep that too. game was difficult to watch, man. I, I, watched I fell asleep it. and Thanks. I woke up. I was like, three-point game? Looked, went to the bathroom. They were up like 45. But it's okay right? to run out of bounds. Right? Yep. But Aaron Rodgers... He adds to his MVP campaign with four passing touchdowns against the Titans in the middle of a blizzard, it seemed like, at Lambeau Field. And, you know, things look pretty promising. One of the Titans' uh, offensive linemen came out barefoot. You're like, you know, these guys are ready to go. They're ready to go. They're ready to go out there and play. But they thought they were. They thought they were. And we talked about, you know, them getting behind and not being able to utilize that rushing attack. It was the Green Bay rushing attack 
that like showed out on the night, that being A.J. Dillon. And he really outshined Derrick Henry on the night, which was super impressive to me. The dude's huge, by the way. He's a massive human being. He's almost 250 pounds, I think. Like, we talk about Derrick Henry being an imposing runner and between the tackles, outside of the tackles, whatever. Uh, A.J. Dillon, he was something else. Over 120 yards rushing. It's scary to think that was the guy behind Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams that Green Bay was just saving in their stable of running backs out of Boston College. Six foot 247, A.J. Dillon. There you go. Green Bay doesn't have any weapons. No, they really don't, do they? No. They got nobody. Dante Adams. That was the thing, like, oh, Rodgers has nobody to throw to. Hmm. Like, that's MVS has Scantling, right? He has come out to be like a prime time guy for them. He's made Alan huge Lazard. plays for them. Lazard has been huge. Devontae oh, Adams. Excuse me. Devontae Adams has been unreal. And he carved that Tennessee He's team. He's the best receiver in the league, in my opinion. I would probably have point. to agree with Doesn't you. Doesn't have any weapons. <laughs> <He's the> only- <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I got to come clean him. here again. I, if, I know we're going to talk Lions in a minute, but what is intriguing to me about if you're going to coach the Lions in the NFC. It's better than going to the AFC because the AFC is so much better, in my opinion. I think the teams there are so much better. And you know what? Aaron Rodgers can't play forever. Just look at the Thank NFC, God. Yeah. That's true. Ben he's got to be gone eventually. He, he is completing 70% of his passes. And his QBR is like, Think what, 130? Yeah. He's first I mean, in the league. That is a lot. It's incredible. The weather, it doesn't matter. Just think about I mean, the whole NFC East. That's just a waste of a division. Right. It really is. I don't it agree. Really I Once again, we've talked about this before. I like the NFC East. I think the Washington football team's a good team. I, I agree. I think the Eagles are on the come up. I think you're yeah. misnaming the division, however. It's now the NFC least. There you go. Uh, there we go. That's original. Man, man. No, but I, I agree with you. I it's would interesting say, to watch. Yeah, back with the Titans, though. They've always struggled being down early. Like they said, they don't get to utilize that running attack with Derrick Henry because their goal is to get him going. He doesn't have a lot of very big first halves. If you watch Derrick Henry, there are obviously times where he breaks through and just has stellar performances right out of the gate. But where Derrick Henry hurts you and where a lot of these big-time running backs, especially between the tackles, hurt you is the third and the fourth quarter where some defensive back's coming downhill and he's got to tackle him for the 15th time that game. That's what you call a business decision, a.k.a. an arm tackle. Arm or tackle. A, oh, I just moved out of the way. I, I just tripped. You know what I mean? Like, those guys don't want to take those hits. Nobody does if they're right in the head. That's how you get CTE and some other bullshit. But, I mean, for the Titans, this game was brutal for all facets of their team. It wasn't just Derrick Henry and that rushing attack or Tannehill and his two interceptions. They only had 260 yards of total offense, and their defense let up over 200 on the ground alone, not even mentioning that Aaron Rodgers carved them. Primetime TV, too. They laid an egg. Right? And you know what? They don't. You don't go to Lambeau every year like the Lions do. And we were there for a game a couple years ago. Where the Lions beat them. When the game didn't matter. But the Lions still pounded them, which was wonderful. And the Packers fans were very nice to us. But (laughs) if you're going to go there, Tennessee... You don't even have to, you're not even, you're just playing the Packers and the weather, but there's no fans there. The atmosphere. The refs are there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's why you got to think about that. And when they're coming out and like, I think Bakhtiari had an interview before the game, their uh, left tackle, right? And he was like, yeah, it's really a playoff atmosphere. And I looked at you and I was like, yeah, because it's snowing. Right. Yeah. <laughs> is it because playoff it's snowing? Atmosphere. I mean, is that, is that all it takes to become playoff atmosphere? There was people there. Were there? Yeah. My buddy... Will Ark was actually there, my quarterback oh, at Michigan Tech. Yeah, there you go. But not a lot, not a lot. There was yeah. no Lambo leaping. Let's face it. Yeah, no exactly. Leaping. It was so. cold, and yeah, maybe just because it was snowing, it was like playoff. Act. But you're right. Yeah. I do, yeah. I do yeah. think the Packers allow some, like, but you, you saw them between the 30s. 
really. Yeah, yeah that's true. They have little sections. Yeah, something but, like that. I mean, is Aaron Rodgers the MVP at this point? Yes. I mean, I, I, yes, I think he, he deserves is. it. Even from a Lions walk, fan, I just... As a Lions is. fan, I, I still Especially think he walks seen, away with it. Agreed. 100%. I don't think... Mahomes, he'll still get a bunch of votes. I just I don't. hope he walks far, far away and doesn't come back next oh year. Because gosh. if there was ever a team that if you removed one player, yeah, they'd be terrible. They would be. They would be a seven and nine football team at best if he's gone. Really? I I think I so. Wow. After this week, I think with he, their defense, I think he definitely locked it up. MVP. Oh, I agree. Because you saw like, Mahomes. He didn't have. I shouldn't say Mahomes had like a bad week per se, but he's not he MVP threw a couple level. Interceptions. Yeah, and Mahomes. Time. I saw an interesting stat today. Mahomes has. Uh, NFL record for the most dropped interceptions this year with like 11. Can you imagine how the, fortunate the you have to be to have 11 defenders stupid enough? Who is he throwing to, Ebron? <laughs> <laughs> but I thought that was Sorry. a very, very interesting stat. I don't think that's something that you're going to see very often. I think just that's just the Chiefs. That's how the Chiefs operate. So um, that was super interesting. But uh, I guess let's transition and go into our last little NFL topic here, our Detroit Lions. Uh, they are in a very familiar position, that being down and out, the Lions. That's what they are. That's how they always are. It seems like we're the most submissive franchise in the NFL. And <laughs> what is that? I, I just, just I don't know where to start. I, I, I'm <laughs> going to feed off you guys. Yeah, let me start it. Let that, me start that it. That game Saturday, <laughs> like Daryl Bevel tweeted, he felt helpless watching the game. I wanted to tweet, retweet, so did I. <laughs> I think that's a great point because oh, when I'll, I'll let let's, you guys let, yeah, let's, Saturday's game against the Bucks, like you said, one of the most embarrassing performances I've seen from any franchise at any level, really. I, it was just, it was like lay on your back and just roll over for the I, other team. I, I think thought I was watching high school football. Exactly. When have, and I, that when was, have you ever seen an NFL quarterback stop playing at halftime? Yes. Like just, okay, take him out. He, he's good. We're good. But and it was largely due to the fact that we didn't have any freaking coaches. Interim head coach, Daryl Bevel, like you said, he said he felt helpless watching the game. You know what? I'm kind of glad because I'm just he understands now. He understands what it feels like to watch the Lions game, being an outsider. <laughs> he gets that perspective. I think this is a turnaround moment for Bevel. I don't know what he's going to do after this season, what the staff, whatever. This turnaround moment for this this season and this franchise, they have that new perspective, this renewed... No, I'm just kidding. But- I don't know if you agree, <laughs> but I I say we keep Bevel as I, the OC, yeah, as just, whoever comes oh, in. Oh, OC. I thought you meant head coach. No, okay, OC. Okay. Or at least keep him on the staff I do think Bevel, some way. he did a solid job at, at the offensive coordinator position. I would agree. And a, a lot of it, I think, has to come from what you hear. You know, we're not there, obviously. We're not in the locker room, but the... Uh, the Lion players do like him. Yeah, they for what, do. For what it's and worth. I don't like, know how many they of those play players... for him. They play for him. Their hair's on fire yeah. for him. That was not on fire for Matt Patricia. It just wasn't. And it's like, you can't, you can't, there's nothing you can do about that. It's like an intangible, right? Like, that's not something you can measure, but your guys are going to play for you, and they play for Daryl Bevel. Is the defensive coordinator Corey Undlin? I have no idea. I'm Corey, not sure. Corey, Corey had the tweet of the week. It said uh, Undlin or whatever his name is, the defensive coordinator and other Lion coaches feel as if they will not be around next year. Yeah, you've got that right, Corey. <laughs> you uh, will not be here. And those uh, Lions next year. were pressing the league to push that game back to a Sunday, just one day back, and all those coaches would have been back, including Bevel. You know what I mean? But the league nice said things. no. 
The league said no. So now, Hunter, we can talk about that a little bit. Let's talk about, unless your name is Lamar Jackson, your game does not get postponed. You play with what you have. Kendall hit on that quarterback and no Lions coaches. Which, that's BS. It happened to the Browns. It happened to the Broncos. It's happened to us. Like, why can't the NFL work with that? Because... For the Lions. And you it's know in the playoffs, the in the playoffs, if it's a big-time game and there's big-time talent back. out, the NFL, they don't want to represent the badge that way. They want the best brand of football they can possibly put on. Why do they, they push Lamar Jackson and Big Ben, the 11-0 Steelers, all the way to a Wednesday afternoon? Yeah. Exactly. Because people wanted to watch that game because that game's going to make money. It's not fair to the rest of the teams in the league. And Boom. people got to watch Tampa. Tampa Which Bay, makes me sick. Yeah. They got to watch Brady. They, on that was the only Saturday. game on Saturday, and they weren't they weren't moving that time slot. It wouldn't have mattered who was available. And now they rekindle this image of Brady and how he's you know kind of reclaimed this throne and he carved up the Lions' defense. You know what I mean? So now the Bucks, the Bucks are sitting at eight in the power rankings in the NFL now because of yeah they played the Lions' defense. I hope That's they're sitting exactly at what I'm saying. You guys so hear now, the, you guys hear the the Bears are back. Oh Jesus! Don't even. Don't even get me started. Let's, reca- let's recap who they've beat since the Lions uh, beat them in Chicago. Yeah. But now the Bears are back. Yeah. yeah. Good luck. After losing five straight, they somehow just managed six. To- six? Was it yep. six straight? Yeah. Lions game six was straight. a six, six straight loss. But they're they're going to get in the playoffs and get demolished. No. Either way, it's just that's good for the NFL. Not the Bears, but that this Brady, this image of Brady that it has almost been restored that's something that, I mean, you can understand from a business perspective, a business decision that makes sense. They want people to have this vision of Brady. That's like one of the most dominant storylines of this year is Brady and Tampa Bay, the relationship between him and Bruce Arians, you know, the adding of weapons. You got Gronk and A.B. and all the Mike Evans and Godwin and uh, even uh, Leonard Fournette. And no Conor weapons. Jones. Exactly. All of these, and not only weapons, but all of these personalities. And that's been the storyline that has dominated so and, much of this year. Uh, the end of last year, if you it's remember. It's the Brady Bunch. Yeah. If you remember. <laughs> That's the first time I've heard of that. The end of last year, it wasn't the offensive side of the ball. Everybody was touting it was Tampa's defense. Yeah. And um, I'm forgetting him. It was the former Jets head coach that got fired. That's now in Tampa. I don't know. And I can't think of head. his name. Yeah. I can't um, think of it either. Yeah. yeah. But, but he's doing, he's done a very good job there. They have one of the best, know, uh, I would say, one of the better offenses in the NFC. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Levante David and Devin White, I think, is the you mean best defenses. Line. Defenses. Defensive. Yeah. 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 Devin White is a stud. Devin White and Devin Levante White David are the best linebackers in. Them. Come on, Blaze. Devin White Former definitely Jets has coach. I'm pretty sure can. at the beginning of the season, for a while, they were the number one ranked. Defense. I think they were, and I think yeah. he's correct. But a guy that uh, maybe deserves to be ranked up there, right? A guy that really came in on Saturday and just proved that he's got everything that it takes. You know who that is? Blaine Gabbert. Blaine Gabbert comes in, 143 yards, two touchdowns against this stout Lions defense. Man, he looked outstanding. Wow. Wasn't his first pass a touchdown? Yes, it was to Gronk, right wide open in the middle. His first play from scrimmage. That's unreal. If a ba- and I understand that that probably weren't they weren't our first guys, you know, in air quotes out there. Blaine, Gabbert, if you have a backup quarterback come in and just carve you like that. You ought to be so ashamed of yourself. I've never seen somebody run down the middle of the field so wide open. Right. Before. Tampa Bay was right. on pace for 800 yards for the game. Jeez. Tom Brady had yes. a full game stat line in the first half. And the most sad and disappointing part of this is that not only that we lost 47-7, to but that could that be the last time we see Stafford in a Lions uniform after that weird, 
Nick like ankle injury thing. He comes off, and that would leave such a bad taste in the I mouth of the Lions I texted you guys fans. after when I saw exactly. that. I was like, I say that's the last time we see Stafford. That's and I, hurts. Uh, he said in this press conference, um, he needed a cart because he Science. literally couldn't put this he couldn't great. put effort on it, but he didn't want to show like that he was weak. So and didn't want to like put doubt in the guy's heads, like his teammates' heads. So he just. Walked off on one foot. He needed a cart. Like he, said, he needed I'm to not get taking it. Yep. Yeah, had a boy. Had a boy. He also just said this week that I'm planning on playing. I don't know what their plan is, but I'm if I can play, if I can walk, I'm playing. Good for him, man. Yep. Good for him. And then he's like, I'm planning on playing, and I'm planning on getting the hell out of Dodge after that game. That's it. I know he didn't actually say that. I'm just I'm paraphrasing for what he probably wanted to say. Your point about him this being his last game as a lion. I think that's what you would expect, maybe. Some people. But. Some, well, some people would I'm waiting want. for the, I'm waiting. Yep. But. There we go. I think until you get rid of the Fords as the owners, you don't see them leaving. I just wow. don't think they'll do it. They should, is the, is the sad part. They should. Ah, it but does suck. Won't. But, yeah. What could they get for him? Do they I, get the a first-round pick? Oh. Do you get a first-round pick for Stafford? Out of a guy, just because of his injuries in the past? Might, might I don't depend on the team. That's a good point. He's 33. Yeah, that's a, yeah. Like, what is his value right now? Obviously, you're not cutting a guy like that. There's no way. You don't need to no. get rid of him right now because exactly. the Lions only have five picks. That's the other thing about the the. Oh, is it six? The job isn't as attractive as Jacksonville. Well, again, if you want to go coach in Jacksonville, go ahead. Number one, the Jaguars. I mean, at least we're the Lions, for God's sake. But cool I, cat. I, I, yeah, I just uh, Jacksonville. I get it. The picks and Trevor Lawrence, and yeah, he's probably going to be pretty good. But I don't know. I just I don't know if we're going to talk about like I, to me the guy that probably that, the toughest to sit through that game was Spielman was actually down on the field. Was he during I didn't that know game? That. They showed him. I saw that. And did you guys see what a little uh, uh, Troy Aikman? What Troy Aikman? Yes, said about I was about I to bring that, that up. Great. Troy Aikman totally endorsed him and just said, yeah. like, basically, I'm paraphrasing and say, like, this guy is the best thing to happen for this organization. Nobody else could fit this role just like Chris Spielman could. In and Spielman, he said, we trust. Yes. And so, like, he said, yeah, we're going to miss him. You know, we're going to miss him at Fox, right? Yeah. And we're going to miss him at Fox. But he said he, they're, they're getting basically a hell of a guy for that position. A hell of a guy. So, I, I think it's exciting for them. It's exciting for the franchise. And then today, again, Twitter, which if it's on Twitter, it's true. Um, I've <laughs> talked about the Niners defensive coordinator who I'd love to see them hire. If he comes, they said so three right. defensive backs are coming with him. Well, Terrific. let's see if we've got some room in our secondary. Yeah, I would I, say you know, I, yes. I, it does appear that we have a couple of openings. So gentlemen, come on in, pick out your numbers and, and oh let's go from gosh. there. Hey, well, maybe we'll see it happen. Maybe we'll see. I, I hope, I hope they can make it happen. I really do. I, I, with every bone in my body, but a team that did not make it happen in, any aspect of the game. Well, I shouldn't say that. They lost in overtime. Let's transition over to college football. Let's talk about America's team, as I will call them. Coastal Carolina, the Sean DeClears. Cut the mullets, boys. They lost it. They ruined the Cinderella season. And I, for one, am not happy about it. I'm (laughs) not happy about it. Did you know I used to have a mullet? Like, just this summer. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He did. He did. It was 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 disgusting. It was rocking. But I think he cut Throw up a picture on the YouTube, Kobe. Probably had to. Nah, we'll throw see. up a picture on the I don't want to hurt their beat eyes. The girls, then the girls off of oh, the Oh, they stick. loved it. Oh, they loved yeah, it. Yeah, I'd probably lose <laughs> They loved it. But Coastal Carolina, the Sean DeClears, they failed to finish 
what was a perfect season in the Cure Bowl against the Liberty Flames. So we had that rematch, right? The rematch that was supposed, supposed to, happen. to happen. College well, Game not, Day. Not a rematch, but a potential, game that potential rematch. Happened. Yeah, of course, of course. But they lost 37 to 34, and they're going for that potential game tying field goal. It gets blocked in overtime. I mean, that was heartbreaking. Yeah. Can we go back to the end of regulation where the Liberty coach almost gave them? That is a great a point with the uh, fumble, correct? Take where a they knee. Didn't take a knee on like the what yard line? With why are you close. having a running back grab the ball and stare at the defensive guys? <laughs> they are going to let you score, and then, then number, just take a that knee. Was number eight with the Rex specs, and then he's taking yeah. pictures of the game with the trophy. You know, then they run the funny. play again, and his own lineman pushes him into the end zone. This is twenty twenty, and he was when trying a running to, back. Yeah. To take the lead is going into the end zone and reaches the ball back into the playing field. Yeah, trying not to score. I don't want to score. Not to score. And then fumbles. That's what 2020 has been. Unreal. Unreal. How about that Liberty quarterback, though? Malik Willis. He practically beat Coastal Carolina by himself. Which I, He's a superb athlete. I'll I, be honest. I didn't watch the game and look oh, at his stats right here. Man, 137 on the ground, 220 in the air. There you go. There's his stats right him by there. Himself. He looked like a linebacker at quarterback. And he, like I said, like I was about to say, he is a great athlete. Superb athlete. But he is not a proficient passer. No. I do not think he is a great passer. And he actually, I think... I don't know if he got an injury or something, but he was banged up uh, during that game. But, I mean, yeah, he had those two interceptions. And just throughout the game, his decision-making, it was very much uh, it, that run was always in the back of his mind. Like, I'm not going to sit in here and really go through my progressions. It was quick, 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 and okay, let's go, let's go. But he can do that. When you're built like that, you can afford to do that. He was built, like you said, like a linebacker. Yeah. And he was a great athlete. I thought he was great for that Liberty team. He put them on the map this year with that great season they had. Um but I just I don't see him being insane or like anything, especially not at the next level. I don't know what his eligibility is like, or obviously I'm assuming he has some. I mean, he goes to liberty. Yeah, he goes to liberty. That's a great point too. That's oh, a great I mean, point too. No offense, but if you're not in Power Five, you're probably now, not the best quarterback. Both programs, the NFL. not even don't even get near Power Five. Both those programs were FCS just a few years ago. So they were rivals. You obviously haven't been following the bowl results. I believe the Sun Belt Conference is undefeated in their bowl games. Look at that. Ooh. Coastal Carolina was actually the first team in the Sun Belt to lose. They're four and one with this three year. wins over some high level now, high school here, teams. Now here, let me let me let's, let's even though that competition was poor, right? The, for the other Sun Belt teams, I said poor. <laughs> when it your was, college has five names in it, you're not very good. Either way. <laughs> <laughs> Either way, a win is a win, and I think a 5-0 and record for a Sunbelt Conference would have been a perfect ending for a league that really established itself this year. When's you have the, to admit, when, wait a minute, before, like no, 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 before this comment, before this comment, no, before this comment, before this comment comes out, no, 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 I want to say, between Coastal Carolina, who had a great season, regardless of what you think, they had a great season, right? They lost that one game. You had a team in Louisiana who beat some big-time teams, starting Agents. out with... Starting out with Iowa State, Raging. that huge Asian. win, that huge win for Louisiana, and they go on to finish in the top twenty-five. And Appalachian State, or Appalachian State, I believe is how it's pronounced, they ended up having a pretty good year themselves. Beat Michigan. So, uh, yeah, I mean, what was it? Ten years ago, fourteen. Like, Still remember it well. Yeah, but between the three of those teams, like that conference is in great hands. I really do think so. And you could say, you know, it's Sun Belt Conference, whatever. I think. There's going to be some great football played in that conference for years to come. I'm it's, a fan of the game, it's and I better. appreciate it. It's better, but don't they? They 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 show them at like you know though they're undefeated in the bowl games. I mean, half the yeah. country couldn't even name their opponents. North Texas and UTSA were uh, Louisiana and Appalachian State, respectively. Oh, is that 
Is UTSA, is that an airline or? University of Texas at Stephen Austin. Oh, not good. All right. Is Stephen Austin? Yeah. Four names? Or four five? names. No, four or five Austin. names. You're, you're yeah. not up there. <laughs> is that what they call the power five? I guess so. So, Kobe, are, are we getting into the next topic? You know, a little bit of New Year's Six Bowl action? We want to go right to New Year's Six? Are we ready for that? I actually have breaking news. Go ahead. From do, the do, ESPN do. app from Sean Cam Jr. Let's hear it. Our guy, the Buffalo Bulls running back, Jarrett Patterson, is skipping his senior season and is going in the NFL draft. Good for him. Great for him. Jarrett, you know we're here for you, Our guy. We're here for you, man. We'd love to have you on the podcast. This is the Jarrett Patterson podcast. This really could be. We talk about it every week. Eight touchdowns. Eight touchdowns. I love his story about him and his twin brother. His twin brother held out. Um, He had some offers from some bigger schools, and he said, you know what? I'm playing with Jarrett. I'm wherever we're going. We're a package deal. Listen to this. And I already already told you this, but I'm gonna say it again. They they couldn't actually go for that first semester at Buffalo. They didn't have enough scholarships for the two of them, so they actually waited until some guys went off scholarship. And granted, his brother had scholarships to so many other places. Who plays linebacker for Buffalo? And now Jarrett Patterson emerges to be this guy. And I'm sure just between him and his brother, that story is awesome. Jarrett, we need you on here. We really do. So is that is that going to be like the Manzo story? You know, up at both Manzos up in the UP. See about that. We'll see about that. But uh, let's talk about some New Year's Six games, huh? Wait, go go back to who did he score the eight touchdowns against? Kent State. Kent, it wasn't Kent yeah. State. It was the week before. No, it was Kent State. I, I think thought. he's right. No, it was Kent. It was the it flashes. Was the they were both three and Yeah. And I just I the game was on a Saturday. Was that on a Saturday? Because I remember waking I don't know, up. Maction's weird. Maction can be on like Wednesday nights sometimes. But I remember waking up it the next day and the Sports Center started their telecast with this. Just in Jarrett Patterson just scored again. Yeah. Yeah. So eight touchdowns. Well, come on, your your boy in New Orleans. We'll talk about that soon. But let's talk about some New Year's Six games, huh? Before we get into the two playoff games, that being the Rose Bowl and the Sugar Bowl, let's talk about the other few major games in this series that was Kent State might not have the uh, the same implications. Quality team. Will you have you? You know. Um, but first, guys, the Orange Bowl number five Texas A and M gets to prove that they deserved a spot, and they got jibbed. They got uh, number 13, North Carolina, who boasts a big-time offense and some big-time scorers. Now, there were a few guys. Um, I know it came out today, and uh, Devontae Smith won that AP uh, Offensive Player of the First year. time a wide receiver ever won it. He's there were a, a couple stud. players on that North Carolina team that had a few votes. I noticed that. Not a lot, but a few votes. So that North Carolina offense is legit, and I think this game is going to be a very interesting one. I personally think so, between A&M and North Carolina. But what do we see I don't think so. I know, I know, we're not doing like game picks or anything. Oh, we'll yeah. wait till that, that was like that, I've been like waiting for this all day. <laughs> I want to get my pencil out like Lee Corso, <laughs> not so fast. <laughs> I think Texas A&M walks away with this one. I, I think Texas A&M actually deserved I have to, to be in the college football playoff, and I think they're going to walk away with it. I think A&M blows them out as well. It's wow. it's not. I don't think it's a competition. See, I, I, he should be on more. Drew always. They those two always yell at me. I'm for not going to say they should be in the college football playoff, but I, I think, think so. I think they roll Carolina. If we're really getting into it, I don't think Ohio State should be in it. So, oh boy, I think is Dabo here? North Carolina's ranking is underwhelming. What's the word or I'm looking for not representative, underappreciated, underappreciated. So you're I saying they're just, better than thirteen? I think it's unfortunate that they lost those. Blaze, I know you. I, I was your better. math teacher, but I am an English minor. Underappreciated, I think, is what you're looking for. Sure, I guess so. So, so you're saying they should be like eight? Yeah, 
I think they're good enough to be in the top ten. I just don't. I think Carolina. Yeah. Agree. You watch them play. Agree. <laughs> yeah, Carolina. Carolina's offense has. That's Mac just, Brown, right? Yes. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Um, but who's that quarterback? Sam. Uh, Sam, Howell. Sam Howell. He is a playmaker. He is a baller. Talk about a proficient passer in the pocket. But He's got some weapons on the outside. If that defense steps up for them, which I hope they do, when they generate some turnovers. That's going to be a game. Didn't Notre Dame put one on Carolina? Did they? E- yes. I don't know. They put one on. And what happened to Notre Dame when Clemson got their team back? Are they playing Clemson? No. They're playing AM. I know when they played Miami a couple weeks Agricultural ago. Agricultural and mining. When they were playing Miami a couple weeks ago, we actually talked about it on this podcast, and we all well, thought Miami was going to win. That I is didn't. false. That's false. I picked North Carolina, and they won. I have no faith Captain in Miami Tarheel. ever. Miami's never going to be as good as they were, even though they hope they are, but they won't be. I just have no faith in them. I'm with and I'm you. I'm pretty they're, sure they're um, kind of, they're North kind of Carolina's a... running backs combined for like 500 yards that game or something. Miami's so, been not kind of a fraud this year. Running backs. It is everywhere. They're like, oh, seven and zero. Oh. Then they lose the big game, and then down they go. Yep. Talking about a big game, let's talk about the next. We got the Fiesta Bowl. The surprising Pac-12 champs from Oregon get Iowa State. Coming off a loss in the Big Tail Championship (laughs) to Oklahoma. Now, I will say Oregon is the first, I guess, uh, Pac-12 winner that did not win their own division in the Pac-12, right? Because they're a Pac-12 champ. Exactly. Because of Washington Washington not being able to play. And then they go in and beat USC, and nobody expected that. At least I did not. I shouldn't say nobody. I would say nobody. I would say nobody. Oregon came out of nowhere and showed up and and got that big-time win. But who, did, who did Oregon just beat there at the end? USC. USC. In the, in the Pac-12 championship. championship. Yeah. It. So that was a huge win for them because USC was top 10, I want to say. Were they six? They, they were six in the college football yeah. playoffs. Yeah. Really? And then Oregon remember, beat them. Remember That's they, unreal. Because we were talking about how they kicked Cincinnati down to put USC there. Exactly. And so it'll be interesting because – Fight on. Trojan. And then you've fight got on. this team right now, right? You've got Iowa State who just lost that Big 12 championship to Oklahoma, although – I thought they really should have won that game. I really do think they had every opportunity to win that game. I thought their coach was going to kill the official. I think Drew and Blaze and me would disagree. I think Oklahoma looked pretty good. They looked great. Oklahoma looked really good. I thought Iowa State, their quarterback blew it for them. Oklahoma's finally got a little bit of a defense. Iowa State's quarterback made some boneheaded decisions. At the very last play. Yes, he throws it up. It's a third down. They had every chance. They had every chance to win that game, I thought. Fourth down after that? Oklahoma looked good. Oklahoma looked really good. I... I just Oklahoma's another. Let's team. go right to let's go right to Oklahoma. Or you want to talk about this game? We a little didn't more? make okay. the picks. We don't really need to make picks. We just want to talk about it. Oh, you want to make a Thursday. pick? Go I, ahead. I want to make picks. Yeah, we don't we don't make picks until Thursday. I better show. make my oh. picks today then, because I don't know if I'll be here on Thursday. Get out of here. But <laughs> anyway, go Ducks. Can we talk? Can we talk about? Let's talk about Oklahoma though. Oklahoma gets Florida, so we got number seven Florida, number six Oklahoma. First of all, Oklahoma has no business being ranked higher than Florida, but they're in the Cotton Bowl. I disagree. They're in the Cotton Bowl. <laughs> And this one should be interesting because Kyle Trask, hear me out here. We talked about that Browns receiver's room being pretty empty. Kyle Trask will be without his top four targets. Most notably, tight end Kyle Pitts, who was declared for the draft, but also Trayvon Grimes, Kadarius Toney, who also opted out of the bowl game, not to mention Jacob Copeland, who was the fourth receiver on that list. He's had multiple multiple positive COVID tests. He's going to be bowling by himself. So you're saying they have a chance? Oklahoma's got a chance, a chance to win big. I mean, it's Kyle Trask. He'll make plays without him. I hope I he mean, does. Like, I hope he does. I love which, Kyle Trask. I, which, once I like again, we can too. go back to the LSU game where he didn't have pits, and they lost that game. Offense looked slow and whatever, but then you take away those three other receivers. 
I, I'd still like Florida in this game, though, because of Kyle Trask. Yeah. Because quarterback, quarterback, Spencer Rattler, Trask. I'm I would starting say the defense are even. Yeah. I would say it's going to be a quarterback game. I, would just, I just find I, I, don't, I, I increasingly do not like Oklahoma. I do not like rooting for them. I don't. So I'm going to go with Florida. I, I, just, like I, in a night, I don't either. Spencer in a night where actually I stayed up later than Kobe, I stayed up for that Florida-Alabama game. And he couldn't believe because remember at the beginning where the oh over was like 78 or something or whatever so Yeah, it was. high 60s, I believe, or like 70s, low 70s. 70s. Yeah, no, it was in the 70s. And uh, Trask. Those people, that, yeah, Kyle Trask. He won me over that night. He His compete level in that Alabama game, he never stopped playing. I mean, Florida just kept coming back and coming back and coming back. But if he's missing all these people. They, they had the, uh, the Will Smith meme from uh, – was it uh like what's that what's that show Will Smith? It's like it's like four or five seasons of it. Um, Fresh, Fresh Prince, Prince, where he comes in. I think you it's don't know that? dude. It escaped me. You don't forget Rain things fart. every once in a while. But he comes in and the living room's empty and he's looking around and he's like Kyle Trask against Oklahoma, <laughs> <laughs> and that that might be it, dude. That might I know be we're it. not making picks, but Boomer I think sooner and really? get out of here. That might be why you really? don't come back on Thursday. Not if he's who's he going to throw it to? I don't care. Think, Kyle Trask. Let's go, Hunter. I still think Trask is the better quarterback and like Snoop I said, Minnes? they're it's <laughs> going to be a quarterback's game. Yeah, it will be. And it's not like the he defense doesn't have, is, he just said he's not, he, it doesn't matter. He doesn't have any of his it's, wide receivers okay, or his tight end. It's not like the NFL. Who's he going to throw it to? Tim like Tebow? The NFL when you only have 6 guys on that roster that are wide receivers. It's not like they had to bring guys in. That's they have true. guys underneath that. They have it's like almost double the roster. Wide receivers that have been there and have practiced at least with Trask all season, probably for multiple seasons, so they know what's going to go on. And I don't think it's Florida, so they have talent. Go Florida. So we'll go in. Gators. The Gators. Let's go. I, I'm excited for that game. Chomp. Chomp. I'm really excited for that game, but uh, he has let's talk about it. You know what game I'm more excited for? What's that? The Peach Bowl, Kobe. Peach Tell me Bowl. about the Peach Bowl. I'm excited too because Cincinnati gets a crack at a uh, a big time team for sure. Now, don't get out of here with your stupid expressions. They wow. have Georgia, and they get a chance. This is all they wanted. This is all Cincinnati and Luke Fickle ever wanted was a chance. And now, <laughs> gosh, <laughs> for Cincinnati. All they wanted was a chance. All they and Luke Fickle wanted was a chance to prove that they really are this team. And they did not instill confidence in many people with that very narrow win over Tulsa and the AAC championship. They really didn't. And that was a huge reason why they dropped in the rankings. But for me, this is, this is the chance they've been waiting for all season. And if they don't take advantage of this, and I don't think they will. I think Georgia will stop them. If they don't take advantage of this, this is like, this is for me, this is the end. This is like, there's no USC, UCF, excuse me, fairy tale ending for them. They can claim national, whatever. You got to cut them a little slack, though. They didn't play for four weeks prior to that Tulsa game. Agreed. Yeah. So, oh, I agree. Like, and I think and the problem rhythm. with me with that is that how the committee literally came out and said that they really value those conference championships, and then they didn't. They kind of like went behind their back. Yeah. So it's not power five. Exactly. So it just that made me super upset. But I guess the Peach Bowl. I don't know. What do we What do we see from this game? I see Georgia big. This will. I I also see Georgia big. But if going Cincinnati, out of the limb. If Cincinnati goes out there and competes and even wins this game, I think that changes college football and the football playoff forever. We get an expansion to the fourteen playoff. I think it would actually percent come up if that I, happened. I honestly feel like Kirk Herb Street right now. I'm calling the game, so I can't pick who I think's going to win. But from your couch, Kobe, what type of dog do you have? 
I have a bulldog. Mm. His name's Sarge. Okay. 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 Let's let's get into some maybe some interesting football, some games that matter. Can we get some games that are tough to pick? All of these games matter. These next two, however, I don't think will be very tough to pick for these next two games. That is the national college football playoff. Just first of which, first of which is the Sugar Bowl. But let's talk about this Sugar Bowl game, right? This one will be an interesting one. This is one of the two playoff games. We've got two seeded Clemson, third ranked Ohio State. In the Sugar Bowl with Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, the rematch that should produce some offensive fireworks. But the defenses of the two teams, I think, I think is what will determine who comes out of this game victorious, that being Clemson's defense for me. I have but. a very strong opinion about Ohio State. What is that? What is that opinion? I think Justin Fields is terrible. I, I wouldn't say terrible, but I would say he is very not subpar. proficient yes. at football. When you can't when you have to stop throwing because your quarterback literally can't complete a pass, that's a bad sign. Yeah. Even though they're running back. Sermon. Yeah. Yep, Trey Sermon. He did. He showed out. He it, carried the dude, team. Dude, over 300 yards in that Big Ten title game. He broke uh, Zeke's record by almost 100 yards, by the way, I will say. Didn't even have 300 yards coming into the game. Did he not? They did not use him enough this season, in my opinion. Wow. Wow. But um, I, just, I just think that's insane. I mean, for me, Clemson, I have them big here. I just... Trevor Lawrence coming back. That team is so strong at all facets, and I think this is potentially the year we see Clemson on top. I'll leave it at that. I think Clemson almost beat Notre Dame with their backup freshman quarterback. On the road with fans. That just shows you how good the rest of their team is. Add him, add Trevor, and you get what you saw in the championship game. We've talked about it many times. Trevor Lawrence is the best player in college football. And I like, like Kobe said, I think Clemson's a favorite and a heavy favorite right now in the college football playoff, even so, and in this game. I was big Justin Fields, Fields guy at the start of the year. It pains me to watch him the last couple of weeks, and I think all who's going to win aside, I think Clemson wins this game easily. I think his draft stock has plummeted big yeah. time. I, I was going to say that. top 10. In hearing, hearing even, some of the... Um, I wouldn't even pick him in the first three rounds. I was going to... I said to a good friend of mine who's a Buckeye fan, I said, I honestly think he's going to drop into the third round. I said that's the I'll say thing. second. I'll say second round. But he's a guy like a Jalen Hurts for me. That's I exactly... Forget, Hunter and I got that connection. I forget what talking head on ESPN. It's a quarterback. I don't know if it was Orlovsky or somebody else that said... Ryan Leaf? He can't... No. <laughs> if you blitz him, he doesn't... It almost looks like he's lost. Right. And you're right. They, I mean, the they should have run the ball much earlier in that game, but against Northwestern, I mean, he really struggled. He looked out of sorts. And you know what? Going back to the Indiana game, he wasn't very good in yeah. that in game. In the beginning either. of that game, that's set the tone for that entire game. At the beginning of the season, they were like, oh, he's got more touchdowns than incompletions against, like, against who? And I don't I, care if you, I, I I don't love, care if you go off against Rutgers and. Michigan. Michigan. Yeah, Michigan. And yeah. I love the fact at the beginning Penn of the State. year, he was one of the kids that said, I'm staying in school and let us play. Let Him and Trevor Lawrence were the two biggest proponents. Isn't that funny? Right. Now they're playing against each other. But they were the two that were like, let us play. And, yeah. you know, right. he stuck around. Because they have the largest platform, you know, out yeah. of all those guys. So they actually have the ability yeah, to I, maybe make that change. I don't, I don't, uh, 
spread in the game that said it's seven and a half. But if and for it, me, the thing is, like, in that game against Northwestern for the Big Ten title, they finally realized that, hey, we're Ohio State. We have superior athletes to these guys that we're lining up against. That's no knock to Northwestern. They do not have the same caliber of athlete that Ohio State does. Then, therefore, you can rush and you can run all over them. With Clemson, that might be the exact opposite. No. Clemson is going to have a higher caliber of athlete. Now it just comes down to you know who's going to work, if not the same, if not better athletes in Ohio State. And you're not going to have that same dominant rushing performance. So it will be very interesting just for me because however that Ohio State offense starts that game, it will determine the rest of that game, what the outcome is. And who plays. That's right? a good point, their, too. Their top receivers Great have point been out. Too. Like, I mean, is, is it, uh, who's the top guy Gave or yeah, I know what you're Olave? talking about Olave. Yep. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, I mean he, they miss him terribly. Back to your point about Lawrence being the best quarterback in college football. <clears throat> Obviously, I was, you know, um, what Dabo Sweeney said after that game about how it would be unfortunate if the Heisman didn't attach their name to Trevor Lawrence. I totally agree with that. Like if he goes through his whole college career, that's a great being point. the best quarterback every season, in my opinion. And doesn't win the Heisman once. That's just, yeah, it's a travesty. It's hard right. because like Kyle Trask has made such a name for himself, and like with Trevor Lawrence missing those two games, right, Notre Dame and against Boston College, a Boston College game where he put it would have put up some numbers, and Notre Dame game where a big win for him right there definitely propels him to the top of that Heisman list. Now it's like, but you're right. If that if he does not get that in his career, that is a travesty. Blaze That's what if, that is. If he go if they go win win, he does get it. I I don't think so. I think Devontae Smith is a heavy favorite right now. I do, too, because Ooh. I think all the quarterbacks, are they're going to separate all those votes. And everybody's going to start saying they're going to separate those votes, and everybody's been saying the past couple of years, it's a quarterback award, it's a quarterback award. So I think a lot of people are going to prove them wrong just by voting Devontae Just for Smith. that sake? Just for that sake. That's an interesting and take are on it. all the vote is the voting, and I, I'm guessing it's not done until the last game is played, do they – those votes have I don't know. Do they made. take playoffs into account? I don't think they do. I don't think they do. That's the problem that Trevor Lawrence is going to face. So you said if he win win, then it's a lock. I think it's all just regular season. And we I can think check they'll that. know they'll know the Heisman by the time the college football final. Is I up, agree. I, I agree because I know the award is given. Is it on the fifth? Yeah. I I'm not sure. Which I know is, which is before the national championship game. I know Dabo Sweeney was saying how it's a. A stat award now, basically. Yeah. But I still think... It's always been a quarterback award, like I was saying. And the final's on the 13th, and you said it was the 5th around there or whatever. They said it was the 5th. But I know it's it's always... the highs, I feel like the Heisman's always been in the championship game. Because, like, last year we knew Joe Burrow was the guy before. So... So it, right here, this article from USA Today, it says, this is a great headline here, college football's national championship trophy is handed out at the end of the season to its most deserving recipient, but the sport's most prestigious individual award is not. It does not take into account the bowl play or, therefore, you know, national so playoff contention. Votes have been made. I, I mean... The votes uh, yeah. probably haven't been made. They probably already yeah, haven't I'm made. You, they, I, I would assume the kid from Alabama, if, the you're, receiver if you're smart then, you would make them vote now because then in their mind, they're not thinking, oh, in the back of their mind, you could, you could tell people to ignore the postseason all they want. They're going to know about it. So if they're smart, they would have already made the vote. Just like uh, in uh, NBA basketball, they always do. The playoffs don't count towards MVP, MVP votes, yeah. but it always does. That's a great point. That's a great point. But uh, – 
finish up our college football talk here before we get some guys who caught our attention this week. The Rose Bowl, finally. Rose Bowl has been moved, however, to Arlington, Texas from its usual home in Pasadena due to COVID restrictions in the state of California. Jerry's world. Number one seed Alabama versus four seed Notre Dame. Insider from Division One Rejects, Drew Carpenter, will be on the scene. So expect to see some stuff on our Twitter and Instagram pages from Drew in Arlington on the ground. Getting boots on the ground there, reporting for us. We got an insider there. Hope he gets there early and gets some of the game. <laughs> Gosh. But I guess you can, that's kind of our take on it so far. I would have to agree heavily that Alabama is going to come out. I think they're going to come out fast. And I think Notre Dame, very similar actually to that Clemson-Ohio State game. I think that first quarter is not going to determine who wins, but it's really going to determine the pace of that game. And I think Alabama, I don't know if they've they ever come out like feeling out the, the opponent. You know what I mean? They come out and they play their game every week, and I don't think Notre Dame is the same way. I think it's a different mindset for uh, Ian Book and what, what's coach's name again? Is it Brian Kelly? Brian yeah. Kelly. Brian Kelly and company. I think it's going to be really hard for them to play Clemson and then Alabama back-to-back. That's a great point, too. You get all pumped up for this Clemson game. It's an emotional loss, and you have to go and start back from the bottom and like build yourself back up emotionally and hype up your players for this game. With our interview with uh, Dan earlier, it was talking about the Rutgers game. After you lose to Rutgers, go beat a big rival in Michigan. It's probably that hard same to do. Practice. It's hard to do, though. Yeah. It's very hard to do, and if they can pull it off, more power to them, but I don't think they can. I don't think so. Bama's a different animal. Bama's a different animal. That's exactly what they it is. They have three Heisman candidates on their team. They do. It's Bama. Najee Harris, Mac Jones, and Devontae Smith. And here's where the college football and people are talking about expanding to eight. We have two games right now where one, the point spread is 19 and a half, and one is seven and a half. Yeah. But you want to expand to eight. I, I would just be careful. It's a good point. Because if you want to water this down, you know, it, it could it, it could get away from I them. I think six is perfect. Yeah, six with might a be buy better. for the two, two first, first round seed, buys. for the one and two seed. But two. can you imagine the NFL playoffs, AFC championship game, and NFC championship game where somebody's favored by twenty one points? I mean, no. that's I not, now that right. you just said that about six, that actually makes a lot of sense because it could give like power five, five and, and one. The five and six seeds, like if they lost a game at the beginning of the season that they probably shouldn't have, it'll might give them a second chance to prove themselves. That's a good point. And it leaves room for maybe a single group of five team to sneak in there at the sixth seed. Or he just said power five and one. Why yeah. wouldn't they do if they like made it that like if you won your bowl, if you won your uh, conference. conference, conference, you're in no matter what. No matter the record, if you won your conference, you're in. That, and then they pick from the sub five. Oh, because I don't know if I like even that. coaches would say that the conference championship has lost its luster. So and that's why saying, they had to come out and reinforce this year that the committee actually valued the conference championship. They should have never had to come out and say that, but they did. Because like you said, it hasn't been held to the same level in the yeah. past. Nick if Saban did talked about it, that too. Then why wouldn't Oklahoma be in over Notre Dame? They lost their conference championship. Exactly. Exactly. So then it, how, how seriously do you take that conference championship? It's a, and they're in a very similar um, situation, right? Because Iowa State beat them earlier in the year. Clemson beat Notre Dame earlier in the year. Oklahoma came back, and you know I'm not a proponent of their team, but they came back and overcame Iowa State. Notre Dame couldn't do that against Clemson. You know what I mean? So like that that whole conference championship debacle is it's interesting, and they're gonna have to. There's gonna be a lot of explaining and a lot of figuring out to do for this college football playoff committee. And Obviously, even by appearance, it doesn't seem as much, but I am a bit older than you guys. Oh, thank you. Really? Yeah, yes. Wow. <laughs> and one thing that you guys 
probably have not heard over the years is a lot of times in bowl games, it wasn't the most deserving team that went. You know what it was? The, the money. The team that traveled better. Really? The yeah. Money. So, who, so when you think about national championship, that's why who, they always who brings more people, Notre Dame or Texas A&M or Cincinnati? Yeah. Who, who's got a bigger... That's a good point, too. Yeah. That's why they always stick Michigan in bowl games that are in Florida. Michigan has. <laughs> there's always a lot of fans there. Yeah. And it, they always seem to be playing there. You're right. Who travels better? That's a, It was a huge thing growing up, and it used to upset people because sometimes pe- teams were looked over that had a better year, but with the uh, stadium and the games on TV and the whole yeah. upper bowl is empty. It's not a big name. That's not no, good. That's not, not good for college name. football. It's no. like the NFL. They want to put their best product out there. I'm not saying Texas there. A&M or Cincinnati yeah. wouldn't rally the troops. You're playing in the college football playoff. You're probably going to go. But you know how many people go to Notre Dame? That's another interesting tidbit. You know you know the enrollment at Notre Dame? 50? 50,000? Try 8,000. Yeah, really? dude, I was going to say, it's not. I was going to I was gonna guess they have 15 about, to 20. They have about 8,000 undergrads. Yeah. But their alumni and the whole aura of Notre, Notre Dame, Dame football, the tradition, and all that. Yeah, eight, but I think it's like eighty five hundred undergrads. It's unreal, it's isn't it? It's think crazy. About thing. That. I've been to yeah. Notre Dame's campus. Northern so Michigan I've seen touched has on about Jesus, eighty five hundred. No, they don't. We have about seventy four. But oh, okay, well, I was way off. Yeah, but hey, anyway, has like ninety thousand. So let's oh, uh, ninety nine. Okay, Jesus. ninety. Let's get out of college football talk, though, and uh, finish up today's pod with uh, what team or player caught your eye this week? Who wants to start us off? Honor? Evidently. Go ahead, Honor, please. Go ahead. Okay. Uh, I got Miles Gaskin. Okay. Uh, Saturday night. Who's Miles Gaskin? Saturday night. Who's Miles Gaskin? Can I start? Okay. Well, you can start. Saturday night, Dolphins, Raiders. He's a Dolphins running back. There we go. He was drafted running in the seventh the round, seventh round this year from Washington. Boop, boop, boop. Um, he had 14 carries, 87 yards, five catches, 82 yards, and two TDs. Like that's not like that's not. Oh my goodness, that's crazy. But that one play when Fitzmagic just literally docks it to him, like it's a little like a little slant pattern. Yeah, and he takes it 60 yards to the, the house. Yak. He takes it 60 yards to the house, and that's that's. I would say what won them the game because if they don't get that ginormous junk, uh, junk play like that or yeah. chunk play, chunk there you go. That's the uh, word. They junk. don't. They can't put those numbers up and score that game-winning field goal. So I got Miles Gaskin. I think he's the future. The Miami's always had this luck of of having like Jay Ajayi had one big year. Jordan okay. Howard had one big what year. What happened to him? He went to the Eagles. Did, or was, yeah. did he come from the Eagles or did he go to the Eagles? Go to the Eagles. So, like, they always have, like, this one guy. He He's their guy this year. And hopefully, next. hopefully he's next. I hope so, man. And that game. And I love just, my running backs. I had Cam Makers last that week. That just reinforced my, my belief, though, that the win probability from, like, ESPN and all that. Uh, the Raiders, I almost said Oakland by accident. The Raiders, maybe because John Gruden can't wear the right hat. Uh, the Raiders <laughs> the Raiders had a 99.9% win probability, and then they lost in that game when he field goal. I thought that was funny. Um, but, Blaze, who do you got this week? I have Alvin Kamara running back go. for the New Orleans Saints. A guy who we probably should have talked about, but I saved it because I, yeah. I wanted you to touch on his performance. Really Kobe, do you know much, who uh, he is? Go ahead, Blaze. <laughs> don't really have much prepared. But I don't really need to. Yeah, I mean, he had six touchdowns in Performance one game. Performance speaks for himself. He tied the NFL record for most rushing touchdowns in one game. Man, probably could have had seven if they didn't sub him out that one drive. The Mormon <laughs> missile hunter. You know how we feel about him. And on this he show. said he says he wasn't mad, but he was probably. That's mad. how. You, that's what you have to say. You know what that's I mean? That's what you have to say. 
And like, I don't what care. Do like, people are like, people are like, yeah, you don't focus on like records in games. Uh, excuse me. When you get to six or whatever, however many touchdowns, like, at some point you're gonna think, hey, maybe we're getting close to something they were special. In the, they here. were like inside the ten. Yeah. And they're like, get out. Of it's 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 time for uh, our religious zealot to go into the backfield. BYU representative. But um, no, I agree. His performance was outstanding, and that's exactly what that Saints team needed. But uh, go ahead over there. So. Uh, Cade was originally the person who, your brother, that told me about this wide receiver for the Rams by the name of Cooper Cup. He had to tell you about him to be aware of Cooper Cup? Yes, until I played him in fantasy football, and he had seven catches on the opening drive. Wow. Are you serious? Uh, Yes. Wow. Um, Eastern Washington, I looked him up today, third round, 69th pick overall. He's 27 years old. Nice. 92 catches this year. He's I think he's like 50 yards shy of a of a thousand thousand oh, yards. Okay, but yeah, the stat too. He on like ESPN lists him as six two two hundred pounds. If he's six two, no I'm six five. Yeah, no way he's six two two hundred. Fifth in the NFL in yards after catch. A yak. We were just yes. talking about it with Gaskin. That's important. But, and then I saw today. I was, I was like, he might not get his thousand because he's on the COVID list. And if they get man, out, done. You know, the last couple of but years, he is he's fun been to watch. really solid. He's there been, was one season where he tore his ACL, I'm pretty sure. Last year. Which, that that was yep. last year? Yeah, last year. He was he was poised for a big season last year, too, yeah. at the beginning. That sucks. Yeah, yeah like he's out. He's, he's out and doesn't for. get a chance to crack that 1,000. Yeah. Um, but a guy that was seeing a lot of crack, and that being crack. <laughs> oh, funny! Oh, okay. inappropriate, inappropriate, inappropriate. This is a family podcast. Not that type Your of crack. We not are that family. type of crack. We are family. No, not that type of crack. But I want to talk about a guy. Well, first, my guy I wanted to watch was Ron Rivera. I will say this guy's beat cancer, and he finally got rid of the infamous Dwayne Booty Cheeks Haskin. That's the type of crack he was seeing when he was up in the strip club breaking COVID protocol. Ridiculous. If he does this, and but in Ridiculous. fact, yeah, my. Argument must not be that important if you're on your phone. I was finding the, the circle, of, Lord, circle of Rivera. I mean, it was ridiculous. Not only was he a member of a professional football team and a professional athlete, he was currently, he was before this, wearing the captain, the C, on his chest. That is, I just, I cannot fathom Despicable. what that is like for a program like that, for a franchise like that. I don't get it. And as dumb as anno- and annoying he is, it was just like, for the Washington football team, they he was their best chance of winning because yes. Alex Smith was out and he was their best chance. As soon, it, it's terrible to say that, and, but like who did I don't know? Pretty I did, something I've seen that it sucks. It's a terrible which, move by him. I'm just saying before you go into it, I'm so glad Rivera stepped up and got him out of there. He's I got just, a good, he's got a hot point. In 2019, Carolina fired Ron Rivera after he lost to Dwayne Haskins. Mm-hmm. In 2020, Ron Rivera fired Dwayne Haskins after he lost to Carolina. Fantastic. Full circle. Full, Full circle. circle. That's the NFL, man. And I was saying, uh, the Washington is like the first, like, they pick their captains throughout the season. They do. Like, Chase Young got voted captain just Good like for him, last by the week. Way. And then, like, uh, Terry McLaurin got voted captain, like, scary six weeks earlier. And did you guys see I, today, too? Not sorry to, but you, about the, the Chase Young thing. Did you see him supporting the third-string quarterback that went in the game? Did you see that clip today? I thought that was fantastic. What he was ran it? out on the field to the what was his last name? Uh, Henneke. Something. Yeah. He the ran out on the H. field and kind of shoved him, and he's like, "You're balling." 
You're balling so, right now. Like right I've not the seen that. And that to that quarterback, that. that probably melt. That was a rookie coming out there. But I, I thought Chase Young would kind of be a bust personally. But that defensive line they have is. I just think he's too cold ass take. He's too big to be a bust. <laughs> I don't know. I just didn't he's a think, great athlete. I didn't Phenomenal. Think he, I didn't think he, he is played a every generational down. talent. I didn't think he played every down at Ohio physique. State, but yeah, he's a beast. Montez Sweat, him, and that defensive line, that front seven for that front four, even. But um, that's all we've got for today for Division One rejects. Thank you for making it this far in the episode, Hunter. What Can do I you get, have? It's a bit. I was gonna say I have one shout out. Oh, oh, he's got a shout out. Shout out. Yes. Go ahead. Shout please. us out. Hunter shout us out. Us out. Shout Two us out. big supporters of the Division One rejects. Who would that be? Podcast. Former coaches with with me at good old LOHS, Brent Cubit, Kevin Kopeck. There you go. Two big supporters of the out. program. You got it in. You got it in. Shout them out. There you yeah. go. And Kopeck will be excited when we have uh, you know next week's guest. But I'll tease those in a second. Hunter, what do you got to say? So I just want to say congratulations, made to the end of the podcast. You know, we had a little bit of different episode today. It was very different. We're tossing but microphones back and forth. It flew. Man, it did. It, hey, it when just, we got to work on the fly, we work with our hair on fire, and we work. That's what we do. That's at Division One Rejects. At Division One Rejects. Headquarters. On Thursday, we'll be recording it on Thursday. The episode that comes out on Friday, we'll have Lawrence Tech quarterback Brady Apple, who uh, we had the chance to play against Apples. high school. And Western Michigan coach Casey Zenner, who will be joining us as well. Casey. Go Broncos. So I'm really excited for those two conversations. Super great episode <laughs> today. Super great episode coming on Thursday. Another banger coming on next Tuesday. Next Thursday, we don't stop. We're like Alabama. We do stop soon. Three weeks we No, we are, we're like Alabama. Three weeks we, we reload. Stop. When I'm gone. We don't rebuild. We reload. And I enjoyed my one and only episode. He's back this week, baby. You better be watching. We'll see about that. Thank oh, you for sorry. watching sorry. or listening. Division one rejects. <laughs>